1: your refrigerator after a long day seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge answer is no there's nothing better that's why when it's time to chill you choose Coors Light its mountain cold refreshment made to chill Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind so that's why when you want to hit reset reach for a beer that's made to chill get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado and as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 383. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek, Axios, and Indochino. So we've had a couple days to decompress and think things over, Scott. There was grieving on Saturday night. Maybe there was denial Sunday morning. I know some fans were going through some denial, some anger. Anger has set in for some fans. Where are you standing here as we're recording this Tuesday evening? You know, I think at uh, different stages of your life, you deal with the end of a season a little differently. And, And at this point... Where I currently stand in my life is—I don't know if it's the beginning, the end, the middle. Who knows? But I just know where I am today. And at that point, I—I I get to a point of like almost the, uh, you know, just like nothingness. When when everything ends, I'm like just there's like nothing there. There's just there's just the end you're of the game. In, you're empty inside. Yeah, I'm not you're really a broken man. I'm not really like the way it went down. Um, and, and you that know, was just such a shock. It was such it, a wave of, um, such a roller coaster of emotions in the matter of like 10 minutes, but it was also a fast bullet. It was also a bullet to the head because you didn't have time to process losing until right, it but you think you're going to survive. It's yeah. like you're playing Russian roulette and you hear the click and nothing happens. And then someone comes in on the other side. Just like, Nope, you're gone. No, 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 because it did happen. It just happened. I mean, it, it, it that's the thing. Like, it happened so fast. No, but so the fast. DJ LeMayhew home run... I understand that. That gave, gave us life. new life. But then again, just someone someone took me out, and I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I couldn't say goodbye. I couldn't feel pain. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Does that make it, it better, just, though, it as just you happened. watch your team dying? No. Like, say, say they had... Uh, I, I think back to the 17 ALCS and those last two games in Houston where the offense was just doing nothing... And then McCullers comes in and throws a thousand straight curveballs, And you're just watching your team die before your very eyes. That, that sucked. I don't know if that's better or worse than what we watched on Saturday night. No, see, to me, that's worse. It's worse when you have something in front of you and you're trying to best it and, and you can't, and it's frustrating. And it's like, what is happening? And, and you know that the time is drawing near and all these things are happening. Whereas on this past one, I'm not saying any of this is good, by the way, don't get me wrong. But when when all of a sudden uh, DJ Lemay who gets you back in the game, you almost you can't even transition to a point where you're like upset or mad or anxious. You're not even there yet because you're so you're on a uh, it's you're a a euphoric feeling that you that DJ just puts you on because nobody expected it, and now all of a sudden uh, a ball gets hung. And Altuve just demolishes it and the game's over. The series is over. Your season's over. Blink of an eye. So I went numb. I just, you know, like trying to process what just happened because that's your, your emotions were so up and down at that point. Um, but getting back to my original thought, like at the end of the season, like it, I just kind of I mourn quickly now. You know, I move on pretty fast. You got other stuff going on here. There's life. a lot you of got, stuff going on. You got a son. The, the two-year-old is still gonna wake up at 6:45 <laughs> in the morning, like every day. That's happening, and and he's gonna start yelling, "Daddy" or "Mommy." That's happening. So I gotta wake up pretty fast and like get over it pretty quick. But wait until he's old enough to comprehend what's going on with the Yankees, and he starts to get really emotionally involved. Right? Maybe those those waves. Maybe it's going to take you longer to get over when you're watching a game with Kemp and he's like nine or 10 years old and he's heartbroken because the Yankees lost. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's different waves of, of emotions when you're uh, when you're going through this roller coaster of life and sports. And that definitely adds another element when you have someone in your family who's your child who is now you've brought them into this love. You brought them into this passion and now they're hurting because the <laughs> sports team did it. So, least you're getting so you basically involved. did that to them. At least you're getting them involved with a good situation in the Yankees. You can feel pretty confident that the Yankees are going to do right by him. Yeah. Some of the other teams no. in New York sports, maybe not so great. Yeah. The Jets thing is pretty bad. I took a picture of him last year when Le'Veon, I remember uh, it was one of my favorite posts I ever put on social media, basically a letter to Le'Veon Bell saying, you know, spare my father, <laughs> the the, <laughs> the torture of seeing me watch a really shitty team and bad franchise for the rest of my life. Right. Well, you're not going to be going to any more jets games. Unfortunately, there's not going to be any more Yankees games. There's still games to go to, whether you're an NFL fan, NBA, NHL, maybe, maybe you want to go to the world series and and see one of those Astros versus nationals games. Who knows? However you go, you should definitely be using SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can't get away. They can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? SeatGeek is a site that actually cares. How do you know that? Well, they have 50,000 five star reviews in the App Store. That means you know they have good customer satisfaction their app is seamless and easy to use it rates deals on a scale of one to ten it gives them a color coded map red yellow green orange go for the green seats you know you're getting a good deal um that's pretty much if you click on a green seat no matter where it is in the ballpark or or the stadium value baby good about it you can get some value there tell people how they can save some cash SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you do, all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Use promo code Bronx for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code Bronx for $10 off your first purchase. So I had a couple people the day after tweeting me that this loss hurts more than 2004 or 2001. Yeah. And... I just think that's just utterly ridiculous. Um, it's not even close. It's not even close. But again, it depends it's, on where you are. It depends on where you are in life. It depends on how old you are. There's a lot of things that 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 go into that because some people may not have been old enough to really. That's what I said. Understand those things, and this could have been, you know, this was the the fate the team, um, where you think that all these things that have. Gone wrong, and they persevered throughout the season. Like it feels like it's going to be the year, right? Um, so they may not have felt. You but know, that's the bad. denial emotion that I think people go through immediately after something happens. Where whatever just happened, that's the worst. Whatever what I just that's, watched yeah, is fine. the absolute worst. Probably. But as they think back, nothing. I don't. I don't think that I, as a Yankees fan, will go through anything worse than two thousand four. Yeah, I can't imagine something will be worse than that. No, no. I mean. <clears throat> So I, those two are, are we've talked about this in the past on which yeah, we one had this we've had question this like earlier a, in the season. Yeah, I, I it's hard for me to rate either one of them as one worse than the other because they're they're bad for very different reasons, uh, but also a similar reason Yankees lost. <laughs> but okay. the, the fact that the Red Sox, if we're looking at purely baseball and, and try to, like, get rid of the emotions of of 9-11, which is impossible because that was you know tied into society at that point and baseball was part of society during that whole um during that whole time frame and it was almost you know a type of healing for everybody in the US it wasn't just even yankee fans it was just people in general needed something to latch onto yeah. and baseball was it um but in 2004 you're talking about one of the worst if not the worst defeat on a sports field a sports the biggest court. collapse in sports history it was awful so yeah when it comes to that and the fact that it came at the hands of your arch rival who has lost for the last you know 80 some odd years or 100 years whatever 90 some years whatever it was and uh you know that's 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 the worst you could possibly yeah. get to when you're talking about on the field but i think people have a serious hatred for the astros yeah from, I, from recent just recent sure. playoff exits for the yankees they got bounced in 2015 in the wildcard game, 2017 ALCS, and now 2019 ALCS. But I think in all three of those instances, the Astros were the better team. And I think the Yankees have gotten better each time, right? The Yankees were, were pretty much a walking dead team in 2015. I separate that. 2017, they were overachieving to even get to the ALCS. And they were just overmatched by the Astros when it came down to it, despite the fact that they took them to Game 7. This year, the teams are very close. The, the teams are um, overall very close. The Astros have strengths in, in their starting rotation. The Yankees have more strength in their bullpen. Both offenses are sick. I think what we saw in this series, because it was so close, I think it was ultimately <clears throat> separated by a run. And some fans were saying, I know there was chatter in our Facebook group about how the Yankees' overall pitching ERA, starting rotation ERA, and bullpen ERA was actually better than the Astros. And the Yankees' runners and scoring position, as shitty as it was, was actually better than the Astros. I mean, they were two so, bad, two bad like stats. It was like 110 and 150, like yeah. bad so either way. Really, both just, teams thought, really left, just when did you do that? Both teams left a ton of runners on base. What this series came down to, I think, was the big moments. In the big moments, the Astros superstars stepped up. And in the big moments, the Yankees superstars did not step up. It came down to a few different moments, and then there's also, I think, just the way these teams are built, and the Yankees are built bullpen first. They're built ninth inning back. The Astros are built first inning forward, and I think when, when even though the Yankees bullpen overall... They did have the most, they have a closer with the most saves in baseball, or the American League at least, so... it's, it's Osuna. I'm saying he you had... No, no, no. No, but but their pitching staff is built... Absolutely. Starter, starter first. But when you look Yankees at the very end of theirs, first. when you look at yes. the very end of theirs, they still have a, a dominant guy. They still guy had here. a good bullpen. But w- what I'm talking about, where even though the Yankees' bullpen ERA overall was better than the Astros, what we saw, because they had to lean on it so heavily, they pitched a ton more innings than the Astros over the course of the postseason, the Yankees' bullpen, is Adovino was bad, and especially bad in Game 2, and that... Uh, or he had the bad moment in game two, and then the bad moment in game uh, that was four, I believe, and two swings right there. Green, two big, big moments where runs. he gave up three run home runs. Canely and Chapman had a bad game seven. So even though overall the ERA may have looked better, I think there was residual effects in where they they were not the they were not as effective as pitchers in the moments the Yankees needed them to be, and I think that's part of the way the yankees i mean that's how they're built they're built so they have to rely heavily on their bullpen and a lot of things have to go right when you rely heavily on your bullpen you know I, there's been once once we've digested all this and you start seeing everybody's opinions about you know basically what are they blaming who's blaming what what are we all blaming and everybody started blaming the pitching staff and everybody's blaming the the fact that the yankees the reason they didn't win a championship is because they don't have frontline starting pitching and a dominant starters. And if the, until they go out there and spend an insane amount of money on starting pitching, they're not winning a damn thing. And while I look at these two teams, I understand that they have very good starting pitching, both of them, probably the best in. in uh, maybe the Dodgers would be up there as well. But Just talking about the Nats and the the two teams Astros. that are left have have two of the best staffs in the postseason. But when you look at the numbers and you look at what the what the um, pitching staffs did. For the Yankees, the bullpen and the starting pitchers, and you look at the, um, you know, where they were as a staff. To me, that wasn't the problem. Problem wasn't what was going on with, you know, run prevention and and having the other teams score or not score. It was all about the offense, all about them not executing and and not driving in runs. Something that they've been doing all year long with runners on score in scoring position, uh, with two outs, they have been excelling in this. It wasn't the pitching in the end that was the. That was the downfall of this team. It just wasn't. So people that are talking about that are just blindly yelling at 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 a wall because they were, as a whole, as a pitching staff as a whole, they were good enough. the, the offense didn't show up? Yeah. Uh, yes. They what were built. Was, we don't, what was worse? What was worse in the series? The offense was worse than the pitching in the series. That's by not a, even a by. It's not even a question. By a lot. But the Astros' offense wasn't good either. Right. So, so why, did, why did they beat the Yankees 4-2? to Because they got those opportune hits at, at, at key moments. And their pitching shut down the Yankees in key situations. Their pitching was able to shut down the Yankees in key moments. Whether you want to say the Yankees failed or the Astros succeeded in those moments, maybe it's a combination of oh. When Gary Cole has five walks, I'm looking at the offense as not taking advantage of that. Because yeah, that, because that happened. Garrett Cole is a good pitcher who nuts up when he needs to. Garrett Cole is a good pitcher. He also walked five guys and definitely was a uh, a guy that was vulnerable and had opportunities for the Yankees to take, and they did not take it. The Yankees had opportunities at their bullpen, which we've already been talking about, not as good as the Yankees, not how they are built. Had opportunities there, couldn't get big hits off of these guys. So to me, squarely, I'm looking at offensive execution. I'm looking at maybe at the end of the day. All these injuries actually ended up, you know, hurting the the Yankees at the end because I don't think the DH spot was healthy at all. I don't think Encarnacion was healthy. I don't think Stanton was healthy. We all know Stanton wasn't healthy, but I don't think Encarnacion was 100. percent He just didn't look like himself. And when you're when you're looking at the um and and you know that could go down to a managerial decision or or a team decision on roster makeup and who you're putting out there, knowing that these guys are potentially banged up, especially after seeing it you know, how badly they, they were uh, they were hurting uh, at the plate and struggling at the plate. No changes were made um, going into the ALCS. And, you know, I, I got to look at the outfits of execution at the end of the day as the number one reason why the Yankees are not playing tonight. Yeah, but, It's not the but pitching. Would you feel comfortable going into next postseason with the pitching staff constructed the same way? I'm not saying the same pieces, but constructed the same way where it's bullpen first, uh, starting pitching second. Um, so I, I mean, I think like at a certain point we have to admit that it's just not feasible to get through a team, a juggernaut team. I understand like the that. Astros. It's gonna beat the Orioles and the Royals. Okay, no, and that's 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 going way too far. They they had opportunities no, to beat the I'm Astros. What i it's in going this to series. it's going to win you a hundred games in the regular season. The way the Yankees are built, they're gonna roll out next year and win a hundred games. What did we just talk about? The pitching staff numbers in the ALCS against the Houston Astros, were good. They were good. They weren't the problem. As much as we all want to look at paper and say that these guys are not the guys that we want, these guys did not go seven innings, six innings, they're not the guys that the Houston Astros have, the overall pitching staff, the way that it was constructed, executed, for the most part, the numbers were there.
0: There the were no, certain, The certain overall opportunities were numbers there there.
1: were there. But I look more at moments of you're relying on your bullpen to win a series the way the Yankees are built, Adovino cannot hang a slider and give a home run to George Springer in Game 1. Chad Green cannot give up two three-run home runs in the series. Tommy Canely cannot come in in Game 6 elimination and walk the leadoff batter and have an insurance run for the Astros' score. Aroldis Chapman can't walk a guy with two outs and then hang a slider to the best player on the other team. Those things cannot happen if the Yankees are going to win with their bullpen. And that's that's the, the fundamental problem with trying to win with a bullpen. Yes, I said that's this what I am telling you. That's what I'm trying to say. But that fatigue and overuse could have played a factor in those th- in those poor performances. Overall, the numbers were good. I get it, but when you look when i when I look at these games and what lost them, some of these games. I know they wasted opportunities with runners and scorpions. I'm not trying to tell you the offense was good enough. The no, no, but they were still in the games. Not that's close the thing. To good enough. That's the thing. Of course, it's frustrating when i when I see because the pitchers are still good. These bullpen yeah. guys are. still all, this Chapman. I don't care who your starting pitching pitchers are. Over Chapman is going to be pitching in that moment. Bottom line, yeah. and and right, he's getting right. paid to close the game and, and to to give you that second inning. That's where he's. That's where he is. Uh, you know what? That's what he's paid to do to pitch at the end of the game. So he's going to be in in that moment. Uh, Britain was phenomenal. All year, really, and all playoffs, he was very good. Probably one of the brightest spots uh, yep. on the Yankees postseason roster. Britton is the guy I have the least amount of complaints about. But when I'm when I'm what I was what I was referring to when I'm saying like the makeup of the problem, like this is something that I've talked about and th- why I hate the opener. You have to rely. Your percentages are not in your favor. You have to rely on too many people to be perfect a you, lot of roll of the dice. The difference the difference with having a dominant starting pitching staff and having a dominant bullpen is now on a given day if you're going to roll out that bullpen where the starting pitcher would go 7 innings and today you're going uh 4 to 5 innings with your starter and then three guys, you know, up into the 7th because that was happening a lot. There were multiple guys burned in an inning. Then now you're you're looking at all of these guys have to be as good as that one guy. And if you have a really good one guy, then you know, a lot of times the percentages are going to be in that guy's favor rather than rolling out different people. So I can't remember if I said this the night that we recorded when they lost, but what is the common denominator in the two games that they beat the Astros? Games one and games five. They jumped on Granky and, and, uh, and they took advantage of their, an oppor- of opportunities against Granky. Their starting pitching went six innings in those games. But they also hit the ball. They scored what runs. Am- but they 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 scored runs in game 6. Not enough runs, but they scored runs. It's not like they got completely shut out. That was a bullpen game. They scored the same amount of runs in game 6 as they did in game 5 against the bullpen. But they won they won game 5 because their starting pitcher gave them length. Sure. And when you're using your great bullpen for 4 innings, there's a lot better chance you're going to get four quality innings out of those bullpen arms than six quality innings out of those bullpen arms. I mean, I totally understand that, and I totally get that, and I totally agree with that. So, and so we're try- not saying that every starting pitcher has to go out there and be Verlander and Cole. That's unrealistic. Those are two of the best pitchers in baseball. But they need to be— But Paxton can't give you a two-and-a-third-inning start in this series. Tanaka can't go out there and after game one when he looked fantastic— not be good in Game Four in a must-win game. Essentially, like th- these things can't happen. It's not you're not going to win a World Series with that kind of rotation. It's just not going to happen. See, this there's is a quote. There's a quote by Zach Britton in here. I know this a I quote found by Zach Britton. Great. I I I just had a gigantic smile on my face when I saw the <laughs> Zach Britton quote. Some people didn't like it. I still think starting pitching is what's going to get a World Series championship at the end of the day. This guy. The seventh, the eighth inning guy who just signed a big contract with the Yankees as part of their super bullpen just said that. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Look, the way I built, the, the way I would build my team, you know damn well I'm I'm getting starters that could go that deep. <laughs> like I'm trying to. See, you don't need four of them, but I'm, you need at least one of them. But my thing right now, when I'm looking at what happened in this year, right, and this moment, could our could our bullpen guys could have been better? If they if the starters went deeper, yeah, okay, but that's not what that's not how this whole thing was constructed. I, you. I get you. It, what's more in, what's more frustrating is the fact that the Yankees' offense went six for forty five with runners in scoring position. They played the the pitching side of it the way that we thought they were going to play. Maybe a couple of, a couple of those games went shorter than we expected, but they're not that far off. We we didn't expect to get into the third time around, two times around. That's not getting that much more depth. So the plan was you're going to get uh, yeah the. the Far, pretty much, by and large, stuck to the plan. Except for the Paxton start. That was the one where it it got blown up. The game five? No, the one in, uh, well, yeah, that one too. Both Paxton starts. Because the first one, when he was just horrible, he got pulled extremely early. I want to sort of throw it out the window because I think the rain out affected what they did in game five. I mean, I I think they saw a guy that was, they were finally, they saw a guy that uh, looked good with their eyes and they went with him. Well, I, I think it more had to do with the fact that they didn't ha- didn't have an off day the next day. I think there were a lot of things considered. Again, bottom line, this pitching staff was not the reason they lost. That's <laughs> so, that's the truth. And, and people that are looking at this and looking for scapegoats, they're they're looking in the wrong reason. They're the wrong places. They're looking. You should be looking at people who no, didn't I think execute. You can look at all of it. I think you look at all of it. But the but they're not. The the thing is that. I, the, the reason I don't like this argument, because it's against my feelings. It's against how I would uh, build a baseball team. But they built a baseball team this way. They built it this well, way. Know. The way that they built it was the way it happened. They didn't expect their starters to go out there and do a lot of uh, uh, big innings. They expected their bullpen to pull. So that all went to plan. And everybody pitched relatively well when you look at the, the numbers. But the offense didn't cooperate with that. So... Two more things about the Astros. First, this quote from Correa. He said, they're savages, but in this jungle called the American League, we're the apex predator. Yeah, I mean, of this course. That's why people hate the Astros. Don't you? Because they're cocky. You think that's cocky? I think that's like you're getting set up massively for a one-liner like that when you're calling yourselves the savages and then you lose.
0: And, oh, you, yeah, don't off, and you don't execute but on the offensive they... side of the ball.
1: What did they do when they beat them in... Oh, in 2017, in their celebration picture, they had what's-his-name-in-the-thong with a thumbs-down. Remember that? Yeah, McCullers it was, I think, right? Was it? Yeah, so... It, then it's... The other thing... Go ahead. The Savages... The whole line about the Savages was the reason we lost! <laughs> yeah, the Savages didn't... They were not Savages no. in the no. Five Walks by Garrett Cole. I will always go back to that game because that was a game that they could have and should have won. I think Game 2, now that we look back, is actually the swing game. I think game two was definitely winnable they didn't there were there were uh, there were areas where they could have put more pressure on Verlander and they didn't but when you're looking at going back home having Garrett Cole the guy who wasn't lost in uh, you know a year 25 starts or whatever it was and you see five walks and you see uh, I still disagree with the fact that they didn't bunt with Brett Gardner who could have tried to at least bunt for a hit not we didn't he didn't have to sack bunt he could have dragged bunt he's done that a hundred times in his career. That's something that he can do. They missed opportunities. And when Mm -hmm. I see a stat line and I see five walks by Garrett Cole, you better put up some runs on that one. And they didn't. Are you upset at all about the Astros? I'm getting more mad now talking about it again than I was afterwards. The Astros sign stealing and all this stuff about the Astros sign stealing. Do you care at all? Okay. First of all, I think it's completely blown out of proportion. I think now every single fan who's looking like, ah, they're stealing signs. Everyone's no. gonna take a screenshot from the uh, so from the TV. They're gonna circle something. They're gonna yeah. look. Oh my God! Bregman got to first oh, base and looked at the dugout. Weird. He knows. He knows. Yeah. I think they do it on purpose to f- mess with the other team's heads. And I think that's damn smart if they're doing that. I think that, yes. I think do they, they steal signs? Yeah. Yeah. They steal signs. So does everybody? Yeah. But I think the Astros have this reputation, and they know we have this reputation that we steal signs, especially at home. So every time we get on base. We're gonna have these fake hand gestures into the dugout, right. so the pitcher is sitting there, being like, "Oh my god, they know my signs." Instead of saying, "Nope, I'm just gonna concentrate and getting the next hitter out." I'm not He's even so thinking much, about I don't even think Alex that, Bregman. I don't think the other team is really. I don't think the Yankees are really thinking about it. I think. I think it's all just the fan base being completely irrational. Maybe. And looking around and being like, oh, this guy's cheating. That guy's cheating. This guy's cheating. They're doing this. They're cheating. There's a blink. I saw a blink over there. Why did that Why did that thing blink in the outfield? What's going on? <laughs> There's a red tape there. Why is there red tape there? Why did Bregman put his hand on his hat uh, in a certain way? Why did Wait, he do hold it on. again in the second inning? Why did he do it hold again on. when did, he got on again? Did Guriel just flip his hair to the left? That must mean there's a curveball coming. They know it. They see it. His hands are in a different location. No, although Burial I think, definitely was sitting on that inside fastball from Chad Green. Well, I think he was just doing what A. Rod does and sits in his zone. But <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a bad pitch. I looked at it. It again. wasn't a it was bad pitch. I saw it from the, off the fully off the plate. Yeah, it was a it was a great piece of hitting. I'm surprised he did it. No, so I think it was all completely overblown, and I think uh, the fan base went hook, line, and sinker. And I saw Bregman trolling people afterwards too on Twitter. Yeah, the Astros are a hateable team, but it's, they're, they're a good team. Like, they're just a good team. They are a good and team. And it's, it's okay to admit. I was talking to people on Twitter the next day, and they're just trying to justify these things and, like, saying the Yankees should have won the series and all these things. But it's just like, dude, it's okay to admit that the Astros are good. It's not like the Yankees lost to the Twins, right? right? Yeah. They didn't lose to the Rays. When you the last when you lose, they got bounced by better teams, in my opinion. When right? you lose when Red to Red Sox in '18, oh, were better than the Yankees, and this year the Astros were better than the Yankees. When you lose Yankees. to a good team, you talk about the missed opportunities. You right. don't talk about the failures as much on on like what went wrong so much on on your end. You're looking at where the opportunities that you missed on the offensive side, I think, or even on the pitching side, if there's opportunities that you should have gotten out of but you didn't. There were opportunities to strike on a good team, and the Yankees didn't do it and that's what happened we're going to do a team audit of all the key players but first following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible that's why i subscribe to Axios sports the best free daily newsletter in the land Axios sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. So I I subscribed to this after we we talked about this last time. I still haven't received a ping pong update. I'm a little upset, Axios. I'm getting my NFL. I'm getting my NHL. I'm getting my NBA. I want to hear about table tennis, goddammit. I'll come back to that after after we continue okay. to read. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it is free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, but you'll be the guy sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Try again, uh, to for free, 99 at sports.axios.com. So um, ping pong slash table tennis. Did you see the email that we got about that? No. I believe it, it came didn't. in. Yeah, it came in. Th- there was somebody... I have to look back at it again. and have uh, I, I seen think it I came in through the site. And there was... Um, uh, someone who was, I guess, a ver- a good table tennis player at some point, yeah. you know, competitive, like on the junior circuit or something. I got to go back and read it again, but um, they were definitely telling you that it's not ping pong; it's absolutely table tennis. And oh, they agreed with my my jackass. Uh, I think you were gym, the gym teacher. You were the reverse. Oh, yeah, they they agreed with your 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 gym teacher. Yes, they yeah. said. No, in I fact, call it ping pong. In fact, maybe in the gym class it could be ping pong, but it's actually table tennis. Right. They, they've turned my mind into a ping pong pretzel at this point. So yeah, forward me that email. Maybe, maybe that person, maybe what we do is we get coaches and then we can, we can have a table tennis off at spring training. I mean, we I find don't need a house a, with a table I don't, tennis. Table. I don't need a coach. <laughs> I, I will murder you. So we're going to mighty strong words. We're going to do some I mean, audits. It's not murder. You want to call it audit exit survey, whatever you want to call it. Um, first up, Is Aaron judge. So ALCS six for 25 with 10 strikeouts. He hit the one home run that was off of Verlander in game two was a big moment at the time. But since that, since that moment, he did nothing. What are your feelings on judge? Did have knowing judges struggles in his in the postseason in 2017, he had a good series against the Red Sox in 2018, but then he struggled again in this postseason. A lot of strikeouts. Have your feelings about Aaron Judge changed at all? Can he be the guy? Yeah, I definitely think Aaron Judge can be the guy. My feelings have not changed about him. Uh, One iota, I think that he is still a very dominant player, and he'll be just fine. You know, I think that, again, we saw... Look, there were reasons why this offense didn't execute. And I know there were opportunities against these guys, but they are good pitchers. And, And like you talked about, and you kind of inferred in the beginning... They sack up when it comes to the big moments, and, and good players show up in the big moments. And well, when Aaron Judge is a good player and didn't show up, you're right. But when the guy who's holding the ball and those are the balls going, the other guy doesn't. Advantage the guy holding the ball. They are in the driver's seat uh, at that point, and uh, so you know. Look, he, he struggled against them, but it's it's hard to it's hard to knock a guy. Uh, after we've seen things, some positive things, some very good things in the postseason before, and big moments, um, when you're talking about Gerrit Cole and Justin Verlander and Zach Renke for, for, uh, for conversation's sake too. I mean, these are three dominant guys. So I googled yesterday or the day before. Aaron Judge doubled off first because I I, I just wanted to see the play again and. Something that came up, but also uh, it, he did the same thing in the 2017 ALCS against the Astros where he got doubled off first base on a bloop. Really? I totally forgot about it. Was it, it yeah. to left field? It was to short right center field. He just and misread the, it? I don't remember the, the play. Well, the, big, the big difference on the play, it was at Yankee Stadium in game four. The big difference on the play was he was running on the pitch, huh. but then he looked up at the ball. And then continued past second base when he should have just gone directly back to first base. And he passed second base, which is then there was a challenge because they didn't know if he retouched second base. Got it. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, that's a different play, though, especially if he's on the. Yeah, it's just I just totally forgot about that play. The Yankees ended up winning that game. But but like I said the other night, Judge made it made a bad base running play. And it's just so weird to see him do that because I don't think of I think of Aaron Judge as a smart baseball player. And a guy you can rely on to not make the mistake in the big moment. Maybe he's not always going to come through in the big moment, but he's not going to make the mistake. He shouldn't make the mistake. No, no. It was a, it was a bonehead mistake. You know, it it is what it is. Uh, I think he just misread the ball, uh, and and for whatever reason was taking a larger uh, a larger risk. There was no there was no risk to be taken in that play. Right. So he's believe he's. I'm going to confirm this, that he's um, arbitration. Is he going into arbitration this year? Oh, I thought we had a more time on him. I'm looking I, that up now right. because I think it's going to be very interesting what they do with judge come contract time. Right? because I, I think there's still plenty of time before that happens. I mean, we're not going to – the Yankees don't – I mean, I know they've they've bought out arbitration years in the past. We've seen that um yeah but a guy like and a guy like judge maybe he's now he's arbitration eligible starting in 2020 it is next, okay so he's going to be entering his first year of arbitration usually guys in their first year of arbitration don't get massive contracts so i could see him getting i don't know we saw some, some bigger s- ones last year though i feel like there were s- not There were some was second ones. and third year deals though so mookie betts got a record 20 million in his second year yeah but i could see judge getting somewhere like 10 to 12 in his first year, which the yankees would be totally fine with. He's well worth that money. But then when you're talking about him going into second and third year arbitration making 20 or 25 million or even more in arbitration, does it then become the yankees' best interest to just give him a buy those out and give him a cut? Con- if you're going to be paying him 25 million anyway, you might as well have security on the back end. Right. And pay him when he's 29 versus pay him when he's 28 28- slash twenty nine through thirty five versus thirty one through thirty seven. Yeah. No, I think it's I think they've seen the value in that. I think we've seen the value in that across baseball, uh, where guys are getting bought out in those arbitration those second, third years of arbitration and, and getting the extensions beyond it. Um, I think there's a that hasn't that 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 has there's been a shift in the way that they've uh given out contracts in baseball and I think it's because of that. Because those numbers are getting so high that it's almost, you know, there's more security on the player side because now they have a guaranteed money and a guaranteed contract and they have security, but also the player or the team now is not just paying, you know, a, a bounty. Because at that point, when you're talking about 20 to $23 million for uh, an arbitration contract, like that's a bounty right there. Like that's, that's a lot of money with, without a lot of security. Yeah. Little G, I'm not even going to call him Big G. Little G, Giancarlo Stanton, reportedly snuck out of the clubhouse after game six before the media could talk to he him. He went into like the training room or something like that. He didn't like leave, I think. He went into an area where he knew that he nope. couldn't go. He left. He flipped off all the beat reporters. <laughs> and then he, uh, he, he definitely snuck out. Yeah. Told, told him that he doesn't want to talk to their sorry asses. And he's spitting their drinks on the flight home. It's petty. Shouldn't do that. What? If he had Maybe. his own pod, he wouldn't be around their drinks. Overall, just lo- just forgettable season because of all the injuries. and Forgettable he, on the field, forgettable not from the fan side. Fans are not going to forget it. Right, yeah. But it's, uh, Stanton, the whole ALCS thing was bizarre. Plays game one. Doesn't injures- it kind of play into what the whole season was with him, though? It's, yeah. it's almost like a, a little microcosm of his entire season when we had no idea what was wrong with him half the time. Injures his quad, but hits a home run. Then misses the next three games basically fights his way back into the lineup, and the only reason he, Boone puts him in the lineup is because Encarnacion also struggled. Right. And then they flip again for Game 6. Uh, it, it made no sense to me, the flip-flop between Encarnacion and Stanton. Both guys are struggling. At least, in my mind, if you're, if, if you're going to only play one of them in Game 6, play Stanton, because Stanton is here for the long term. Well, I don't think that matters at any – I don't think they look at that at all in that moment. I think – so my, my thought process – Both of them were struggling equally. So yeah, but my thought – like So my thought process is, one, I believe that, that you had two injured guys or at least two guys, not 100%. And so maybe the thought was they gave Encarnacion a day um, to rest and that he was a little bit more – you know, able to get out there and felt better on that given day. And I know they were talking about the sleep and the fact that there was they had a late flight and all that crap for Stanton as well. Um, Maybe if they had pods, they wouldn't that's be a, that, tired. I'm telling you, like in, in his case, that's a potential concern there. When you're looking about a quad and you're trying to st- stuff that freaking massive body into a yeah. into like a coach airline like your area, knee is hitting the tray table. Yeah. It's like, god damn it. Yeah, freaking, you got like. You got Luke Voigt, who's not even playing, sitting in front of you leaning all the way back. You don't want that big boy leaning no. back. So, yeah, the fact that he didn't have a pod certainly didn't help. I mean, how simple, how hard is this? Giancarlo Stanton. Pods. They should have had a pod and a personal masseuse rubbing his quad down for that 4-hour flight to Houston. Yeah, so like when I'm th- when I'm I didn't really care as much about the flip-flop back because it just told me that Stanton wasn't in a good place, health, wise. Flipping a coin, like ah, I hope one of them hits a home exactly. run. Exactly, and and you know Encarnacion with the day off, maybe he felt better. I don't know. This is all speculation, but obviously Stanton wasn't healthy. That's the clear so did, thing from what everybody's saying. But what are your feelings? Like, what are you, what are your feelings on Stanton right now? Just like, I, they I, got him from twenty twenty eight. I wish he had just, 2028. I, I 20, he had just stayed away, dude. Two thousand twenty eight is when his contract is is through. I wish, I wish he had stayed away for the a for long remainder ass time. of the year because he was not healthy. He sh- How old's Kemp going to be in 2028? What year are we in right now? That's in six years. He was born in 2016, he'll be right? No, he'll be 12. In 2000 what? 2020. Oh, It's 2019. I was looking at the date of, <laughs> of October 22nd, and that was where my <laughs> mouth went in. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he'll be twelve. He'll be twelve when John Carlos Stanton is playing his final game. He's gonna New be Yankees. bitching about that contract badly <laughs> at twelve years old. Like how do Giancarlo Stanton is gonna be disappeared, you know, into like the Redwoods in California or something. You know, he's gonna be he's gonna pull in Ellsbury and just go away for the last two years, probably. But but this is the time when we're supposed to be getting the most out of Giancarlo Stanton. This is the prime of his career. Right. So they all brought him back for He missed an entire season with random ass injuries. He wasn't healthy. That's that's, we even saw him in the game that he came back limping after the first at bat when he ran down the quote, ran down the line Friday night when we were at the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at a guy that clearly was not healthy. The team didn't think he was uh, healthy enough to play. Um, He, you know, ran into a home run and, uh, and I don't think Encarnacion was healthy either with the oblique. So I think we were dealing with two old, or one old, uh, you know, hurt, one old and injured one guy and one oft injured guy. One normally like, aged these injuries with Stanton. This is this is concerning for a guy who should be in the prime of his career and the peak physical fitness, right? This guy is a specimen. That's the and problem. He's man. coming up bodies. with injuries every two weeks. That's the big concern with Judge. I knee. Think. He had a knee bicep shoulder quad. shin quad and whatever else S- sour ego like like what else was wrong with him this year it's just one thing after the other it's one thing to be out there and playing and just sucking it's another thing to not even be able to get on the field and then also you know trying to rehab something and getting hurt while rehabbing that's frustrating and there's being like this air of mystery around when Stanton's gonna be back and all this stuff. And what actually is wrong with him at a given moment. Yeah, so I, I think it's an extremely frustrating year. It's one of those years you're looking at almost like Gary Sanchez last year, and it's just a lost year. And I don't think he should have come back at the end of the year. I think they should have just How do you say no to Stanton it? if he tells if, if the trainers say Stanton's healthy enough to play and you're already down outfielders, how do you say no to that? Yeah, I guess it's You, tough. you can't say no to that. But if you're also using him as a DH, I mean, at the end of the day, we got a, a healthy Clint Frazier who can still hit as well. Uh, no, no, but he was the starting left fielder. He was the starting left fielder in the ALDS. So the plan was to have him play left field every day in the playoffs. But he played once in the ALCS. Did he even no, play in the, in, no, the, in the field? No, he was a DH yeah, he, no, One no, game, one he, game. He played game one in the field. Right. In the ALCS. And didn't look great. So, you know... It's just people are like, oh, you got to trade, stay and eat some money. Who the hell is gonna take even half of that contract at this point? You know what I'm looking at, honestly. If you look back, you want to you want to play a Monday Monday morning quarterback. And, I think I know where you're going. And you this. go back to see who was available on that Marlins team. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I know one of them probably was gonna cost you a little bit more in prospects. A lot more. More. Okay, but who? Who are the names? Well, the Brewers traded their two of their top five prospects plus other pieces for Yellich. Which, I mean, he's an MVP for two straight years. So, yeah. But you're talking about potentially Glaber Torres at that time. Was, right? was Glaber Torres the guy at that point? Glaber Torres was the Yankees' number one prospect at the time. So they were probably asking for Glaber Torres for Christian Yelich. Yeah, that's probably true. Would you rather have... Stanton and, and Torres, or just Christian Yelich? Well, I mean, yeah, you have to look at the Stanton contract, but if if that's the case, but yeah, you you have to look at what was uh what was available for them. From I that believe Marlins team they and, also asked for guys. Didn't they also ask for Andujar for Stanton originally? And the Yankees were like, "No, we're just going to take your money and give you crappy pieces." And they're like, "All right, fine." Yeah, Star, so, Starling Castro is not a crappy piece. Look, you were going to get. He was Kristen my. Yellich. He was my first. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> he was my first. He was my first interview, as as I knew a, where you're going, as that. a guy with a with a microphone standing around with the beat guys. He was my first. Yeah. Um, Pop my cherry. So with Stanton, with Stanton, it's just there's only one way he is going to redeem himself, and that is to have a a rod type postseason run to a championship. That's how fans treat Stan, and I think it's unfair to treat him like a Rod. Because at least with a Rod, it was like season after season of postseason failure. It was so much off field bullshit. It was but, a lot but of that's what they remember. They remember a guy that came over as a hired gun. A Rod in the regular season was mashing, just MVP, an MVP, yeah, and durable. So say what you want about a Rod and his failures in the postseason before two thousand nine. He was dominant but in the 0-4 through 0-8 regular season. He was one of the best players in baseball. Stan has not been one of the best players in baseball the last two years. No, his MVP year was the last year he was. So you're was not going to get you're not going to get MVP type regular season numbers. You're not going to get health, and you're not going to get playoff performance. So what the hell are you getting? Yeah. No. The the. There's no doubt about that. The body is the biggest concern because if the guy's healthy, we've seen that he can hit and he's obviously not healthy. Now the question is, can he get healthy and can he stay healthy over the long period of time within a year? And the jury is out, but he needs to prove it. Because he wasn't even healthy fully in 2018. He played through injury, but his performance suffered. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to knock him on that because there were a lot of guys out and he stayed in the game. He did. And I, which is, and which is what? why I look I respect, back. I respect him for that. And that's why I look back at that, and I'm looking at what was happening in this off se- or in this postseason, and I don't think it was him. I think it was more the coaching staff that was keeping him back. I mean, there were multiple reports of him saying that he wanted to play. And right. and Boone and the rest of them said, no, we're holding you back. Which I don't that's get crazy. why you're on the that's roster crazy. at that point. That's crazy. Take him off the roster. They're talking about, oh, then we can't add him back for the World Series roster. You got to get to the frigging World Series first. Right. And playing with a 22-man uh, 20, excuse me. Playing with a 24-man roster is not going to help you get to the World Series, especially when you're going up against. And this is why I, I didn't like the the makeup of the roster in the first place. I wanted Mike Ford on that roster because when you have that many dominant right-handed uh, pit, when you have that that many dominant right-handed pitchers, you want a guy who can make who can make some contact and hit some hit the long ball off the bench. And there was a guy named Mike Ford who was playing damn well at the end of the season, who had a lot of pinch-hit home runs and knew that moment. And to me, that was a mistake because they could have, they couldn't have rolled him out there in certain situations um, for a potential big hit. And to me, Mike Ford's the kind of guy that doesn't let moments get big. He's just kind of ice. You know, he just, to me, has that, that, that makeup. Um, and I think there was a, an opportunity missed there, especially when you're rolling out two guys, whether one of them was hurt and the other guy was just struggling, or you have two hurt guys. The, obviously, the clear hole in the offense, there were many, but the very clear hole was in the DH spot. And you can't have a you can't have a hole in the DH spot. Not with right. not with the amount of hitters that you have that are are, are hanging out waiting to be on the roster because they had bats. All right, next guy I want to talk about is Gardner. Career power year in his 36-year-old season, he slugged 503 when he was a career 390 slugging percentage guy before this year. The big question, do they bring him back? This is the same question we had last year. Obviously, he's coming off of a much better year. Um, and a guy who was dependable all year, stayed healthy, didn't really have that Brett Gardner drop off at the end of the season that we've been so used to seeing, um, and he played a lot of center field too, which so he actually taxed himself more defensively than we have seen in a long time. And uh, I mean, I think and he was healthy the whole season, which is something we're unused to seeing. I certainly think they're going to bring him back. I don't think it's. Pr- I think, I think it, so. I think at this point it would be pretty difficult not to. But Why? uh because of the because of the production that you saw because of the flexibility you saw because of who he is in this yankees team because of the leadership qualities that he's got with these guys i think there's a number of reasons why the yankees and and you know a lot of people were like hey, i don't care about that stuff i'd rather have a better player overall but i think the yankees do care about those intangibles well they do have a better player mike talkman's a better was a better player do you realize that mike talkman's uh, war rate and WRC plus was better better than Brett Gardner this year, despite the fact that Brett Gardner hit 28 home runs. We saw Mike Talkman play for a month, and he had a, and in that three month span, yeah. he was better than Brett Gardner. All right, um, no, I I don't think they should rely on Mike Talkman. And he's a better outfielder than Brett Gardner is at this stage too. So he's a better fourth outfielder than Brett Gardner. I don't think that they should rely on Mike Talkman. I, I think that it's. Um, I need to see a bigger sample size from a guy like that. Okay, fine. Maybe the Yankees do too. But the starters are Judge Hicks and Stanton. The problem with those three starters is they're all injury prone. Well, see, I don't think Stan, I think Stanton's going to be in the DH spot personally. Okay. I don't think they are um, I think they're I think when they see so what happened that here means, that means you have if they if they're going to line up Stanton for primary DH and then Hold on, real quick, real quick. I think that they need to start looking at what we were just talking about. That 10-year contract and if you're not going to have a guy that's going to come out there on a daily basis on a yearly basis and and be healthy doing all the things that a normal outfielder does, you have to start looking at what that long-term plan is and maximize that contract and maximize the player as much as possible. And to me the value there is not in the field at all. The value is at the plate. So yeah, he, he should still be the primary play DH a day or two in the outfield. Fine, but he should be the primary DH. Okay. But that changes then what you do in other other I mean, it's like it's all sliding pieces. Yeah, all but he's cemented piece. in there. Okay, so then that changes what you do with the outfield, and that changes what it, it, part of this decision is also what is their plan with Clint Frazier? Because I don't think you can bury him in AAA for another season. You either have to play him or trade him at this point. Yeah, and they've they've put themselves in a position now where the value certainly isn't what it was at at a um you know at a given point. Um, you know he's not going out. They're not. He's not in the. In the Garrett Cole types of trades anymore, he, no. You're that's not looking the problem that. with him. You're not going to get, you're not going to get what you could have gotten for him last offseason. Right. Um, but I still think that he's an extremely productive offensive player. The jury's out with the outfield. He looked ungod, like so horrible in the outfield. It looked like he, it looked like a like a high schooler learning to walk out there. I don't even know how to explain what we saw with him defensively. It, you're right. It's like he it's like he forgot how to play. Could still hit. Forgot was how to play. It was, it was obviously mental I think with him because he's he's a professional athlete. He's not that inept in the field. I mean we saw we saw we definitely saw much better play than it from him when he first came up in left field. There's no doubt. Maybe maybe he would have gotten to this level in in baseball if he was that bad of an outfielder the whole time. They would have eventually been like, "This guy's just a DH," or moving him to first base. You can't be out there I running think circles could play first base. in I think the his outfield. Is terrible. But um, what I'm saying is, if he was this bad for the last five years in the minors, they would have done something. Better. I don't think he was this bad. I think a lot of no. it was definitely mental, and who knows how much of that? Mental. Who much? Uh, how much of that? You know, PTSD type stuff. Your that concussion came into yeah. play because it could have, you know, we're not in his head. We don't know what's going on that there. Co- that concussion happened spring of 2018, right? But he missed the entire year. Yeah. No, I know. I, uh, I was trying to like, that's a long time ago, right? He missed the entire year. And you know, there was still conversations about it last year. There was still a lot of talk about that concussion and what his recovery was. And he even brought it up in certain places. And now, you know, how, how horrible the recovery was and how you have to sit in dark rooms and like it was just it it sounded like a it sounded like a nightmare for a guy that's used to going out and and you know being a professional athlete and dominating a sport it sounds like a nightmare uh so I can imagine the amount of mental hurdles not not only that but I also think he's a guy that you know needed to do some growing up at the same time and I think all of those things potentially have culminated at a at a head and we saw him walk out and frustrations i think stay with him on the field and I think that's part of his maturation process is being able to you know um to deal with those frustrations in a in a productive, healthy way where you can still go out and do your job because I think that's an issue for him, and it was this year. So, you know, I think he needs a good sports psychologist in the offseason, someone who can get to him and actually like uh, that he can respect and and, and they could be on the same page and uh, hopefully comes in with a good mind frame and lets his talent just do what it needs to do because he's a damn good baseball player. So I think with Brett Gardner bringing him back is – a lot of it depends on what their plan for left field is. I think if their plan is to ha- have him be the primary left fielder, then yeah, you're going to probably resign him. But if your plan for Brett Gardner is just strictly have him be a fourth outfielder, I don't really see the value there, because he he's is I mean he's not as good of a defender right now as Mike Talkman. Even though Brett is still a good defender, he's not as good as Mike Talkman was defensively this season. Yeah, and he's older, and you cannot bank on him on him having. Uh, another career power year at age thirty-seven, like that's unrealistic. Yeah, it's it's um it's going to be a tough spot. I think it's a it's it's a it's an even tougher spot than they were in last year. Honestly, because wants of what to he be did back, because of what he did this year. Yes, he wants to be back, and I do see value in a veteran presence. And now that Sabathia is gone, Brett Gardner is like the last remaining guy from the two thousand nine championship. Like, yes, he has value there. He is an emotional leader on this team, but. At a certain point, you have to make a hard decision. And maybe the hard decision is not going to be Brett Gardner. It might be with Didi Gregorius. So we're going to talk about him in a second. Um, the last outfielder I want to talk about is Hicks. And he had another injury-plagued season. His six-year contract with a seventh-year option starts next year. Yeah. But at the same time, we've seen when he's on the field, he's, he's also a dynamic player. He had a decent ALCS. He didn't have many hits, but he had a 350 on base percentage in the big three run home run. He had very good at bats. That's what he does. He 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 works the count, has good at bats, and then he hit that huge home run with the with the Griffey bat drop. It was a massive home run in, in a in a time where the offense was stagnant and doing nothing. It was a jolt of energy that I think actually got them, you know, beyond because the, they did nothing after that, <laughs> literally nothing after right. that against Verlander. And, and then the next day, you know, there were struggles. Um, but, you know, to, you, you mentioned uh, before superstars not coming through in big moments. I mean, there were two super, I don't, you can't really call Aaron Hicks a superstar, but he's a guy that's on this team for a long time. So he's, he's there. Um, DJ hit a huge home run. I mean, like he's on, he's on a platform of his own, but he's the only one who hit in the ALCS. Yeah. So the um but Aaron Hicks, I think, you know, the the shocker number number one name of the game, and unfortunately we've said this about practically every player so far, is health. (laughs) And how can you not say that in a year that you were decimated by injuries? Well, when I said when I said superstars, like superstar bats, Judge didn't have a good series, Stanton was hurt, Sanchez had a bad series, and Mm -hmm. the DH spot between Stanton and Encarnacion, those are two. Big bats. And what uh, didn't really do much after. After game one. Yeah. So th- those guys, like those big bats, those are your best bats in your lineup. And they really did nothing. Yeah. No, it was, a, it was definitely a, a, a struggle on that side. But as far so, as Hicks, like. Well, I, he's, he's going to be with back. Hicks, all you have to do is you just. And this sucks because he's signed to a long term contract. But when he's on the field, he's a really good player. He needs to stop playing golf. I'm serious. You think that's why he was injured? I don't know he why. Was, I don't know if it was why he was injured, but it, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is it can't help. He's a scratch golfer, though. I, you know what? I don't care. I don't. Alex, I don't if care. If you were a scratch golfer, wouldn't you want to play a lot? In the offseason, yes. You play golf a lot now and you stink. No, I don't. That's why I don't play. <laughs> it's frustrating. You're playing on Friday. Gary Sanchez, 4 for 31 in the postseason with 16 strikeouts, one meaningless home run, which came in that Game 4 debacle. His defense also broke down in two key situations with pass balls in the ALCS. He has never had a good postseason. Defense didn't break down. Defense failed. I mean, that was a straight up, and the and the, uh, the umpire saved him on one play, too. There were multiple plays. But yeah, and the, the one you're talking about, the Britain one in Game 4, uh, three. Right? Britain spiked the ball. I get or game it. Game three or four. I'm forgetting what it was. But then in game six, it was a pass ball that didn't even bounce. Like it was. I mean, it just like hit. He it just, hit the webbing of his glove barely. He just didn't catch the ball. He missed the that's ball. That's Problem. That's a problem. He's the catcher and he missed the ball. That was thrown to a spot off <laughs> he of didn't the ground. Catch. He did, the catcher didn't catch the ball off of the ground. Right. It was never on the ground in the air. Didn't catch it. Within the within, like barely off the plate bad, horrible. And it caused a run. Yeah. And then the, the, before that there was like, you know, I can't find the ball. I can't find the ball. Uh, guys on base guy moves to second run scored. That was, that was, um, in the first inning. So, you know, like there were multiple times and I vowed not to crush his defense this, uh, this off season, or I'm sorry, this season because it was a little bit better. He's still frustrating as all hell. When I watch it, it pisses me off because his mechanics are so bad and when you get later into the season and later into a game they just look worse because he gets just you know mechanically sloppier and he, he's just he did have fewer pass balls this year I understand that and that's great but you know what when you're doing it in key situations when it really matters when you're looking for rings then I ca- I just can't handle that that's a good question can they win a ring with Gary Sanchez being the catcher I don't know it's become more of a question because what you're doing now, as you're looking around the league and look at these, look at the people that look at the teams that have won uh, a World Series, and look at their catching staffs, you're not seeing very many superstar catchers back there. What you're doing is you're seeing some gritty ass guys who know how to catch a game, can maybe get a, a poke a hit here and there, and you know, like 80 Molina brothers, and then and can uh, call a good game. And Jose Molina still play. And play some feel like, and play some goddamn defense. I feel like they could use his defense. I think I think Jose Mo- he could coach. Gary Sanchez, you know, I don't even know what the problem is with Sanchez because to me it's just like it's it's mecha- it's a mechanical breakdown, it's a, a mechanical failure on his end. It's not like he doesn't know what to do; it's that he doesn't do it. Like he so doesn't break down to problem? his knees when a ball is in the dirt to square up and block it. He tries to glove it, and it happens all the time. And I, and you could call those two Britain. Like people were getting mad at um, Jeff Passan for making that 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 tweet about. Uh, Gary Sanchez about the fact that um he wasn't in front of the ball couldn't block it acknowledging that it was a bad pitch by Britain Paston was absolutely right I'm sorry he was he was not wrong and and people were were killing him because they're like oh he's improved like I don't care if he's improved in that moment in that particular case when a ball is is hammered into the dirt in front of you you should be on the ground trying to block the Block the ball, not trying to glove it on the bounce. And that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to glove the ball. You don't do that. You get into and a defensive position and you block the goddamn ball. You're the, the last run pro- of defense. And the problem is that we've seen every postseason Sanchez's bat just disappear. Disappear. And look inept at the plate where he cannot even make contact. He's an automatic strikeout, never mind an automatic out. So you can't even rely on him having a good at bat putting the ball in play, moving a runner, getting the sack flyer, anything like that. It's just like automatic strikeout. So is he a guy that can benefit because he's an offensive catcher can benefit from the regular season because his legs are more fresh because the time hasn't happened and just you know, he's during the season he's just more of uh, more of himself whereas at the end of the year when there's more games in a row, more things are happening, the bat actually ends up being um, not as much of a positive as you want for that player. I think that's every catcher. Mm-hmm. Not the guys that just make contact and just like they're the same I feel like. Yeah, but like every every but it's Power not just the bat. But, it, but, catcher but here's the had thing, but you're not looking Posada at just a bat. Posada always faded in the season. But Posada wasn't the best defensive catcher and they won 5 champion or 4 championships with him. He didn't lose he didn't lose games either. No, oh, but like he wasn't Johnny Bench behind the plate. He didn't need to be. He didn't need to lose games though. Sanchez has given up Multiple right, runs for ineptitude, and he's and, it's, and the bat went away. Posada's bat, fans, Posada's bat in the postseason would still be there. It would still play. Yeah, no. The I have a, I mean, I have a problem with Sanchez's the blocking in the playoffs. It was, it was a problem. But four for thirty-one with sixteen strikeouts. He's one of your better bats. You can't have one of your better bats going four for thirty-one with sixteen strikeouts. But that's the thing, like that's so. When you look at some of the um, defensive issues and the defensive blunders, like the automatic thing everybody goes to is he's the best offensive catcher in baseball. And during the regular season, yes, he is. But what's he doing in the postseason? What's he doing when the when the um, when the money's the on the line for everybody? Yeah, it's well. Then you look at that that value, and the value definitely takes a nosedive. I don't care what your yeah. war is during the offseason If you're if you suck in the, the regular season? in the regular season, if you suck in the uh, it might as well be the offseason in the playoffs. <laughs> Didi, uh 5 for 23 with no walks in the ALCS. So he can just demolish Minnesota, rips their hearts out. But anyone else? Not so great from Mr. Didi Gregorius. We're pretty much just going down the line of every player that's, that we're talking about coming back, and they all just sucked in the ALCS. And we're everybody's bitching about the pitchers. The next one is good, though. I mean, it's so funny, though. It's just so. It's just such an easy nerd. Not everyone's bitching about the pitchers. A lot of people are bitching about the pitchers. That's the number they're one thing bitching I'm about seeing. the offense too. I'm seeing number one thing, Cashman. But because that's pitchers, the easiest upgrade, is starting rotation, pitchers. Starting rotation is the easiest upgrade for this team. Even though the offense failed in the ALCS, they're not going to make overhauling decisions because Gary Sanchez went four for 31 in the playoffs. It might piss people off, but they're not going to move on from Gary Sanchez because he went four for 31 in the in the in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. Pitching staff is pretty much set for next year. It's pretty damn close. Well, we're gonna talk about that in a second. If they don't do anything for the pitching staff, I'm gonna be pissed. It's pretty close to set. Do they re-sign Didi? I don't think it's as much of a lock as I definitely thought it was. If you had what we were talking last year after even with the injury, we're like Didi's gonna come back. He's going to have half a season. He replaced Derek Jeter. He's beloved. No way. They don't resign him. I, I don't think they resign him at this point. I think they're going to move on. I think it all. I think a lot of it depends on what the money's going to look like. And if he's, if he's getting, uh, you know, offer somewhere else, if, if he's looking, it's all good. It's going to be about the contract. I think if they can get him to a value contract then they'll sign him, uh, because they, I think they should at that point. I think Didi had a bad year. Um, I think, uh, Although, you know, since the beginning of 2018, after that first, what, two-month stretch, or did it even go three months, two months? Um, Hasn't been the same guy. it was like five weeks. (laughs) Hasn't been the same guy since that big stretch. You know, like, when he was actually patient at the plate, taking walks, he was a different offensive player. When that went away, or to to an extent... um, he just didn't seem like the same guy, and like you said, no walks. Like that's that's a guy that's not looking for pitches, and just he was flailing half the time and doing it with a lot of runners on base. I love Didi. I love Didi. I've grown to love Didi. He's become, I think, one of the most beloved Yankees players. Although that's taken a step back because we're fickle and we look at what have you done for me lately, and that's fair when they're getting paid a lot of money and they're about to get paid a lot of money. And when you now look at the situation of what the Yankees are today you have a gold glove second baseman who's standing on first base and you have a guy that's played shortstop his entire career standing at second base uh, now that can move over to short. And I think that there is actually a... uh, If Gio Urshela, because I know we're going to get to him, I think he is going to be the starting third baseman next year. I think your, your defense on the left side now is is more sure than it was last year when we're thinking is a third baseman and having mm-hmm. Glaber over there, like that was an issue for us when we were talking about that. But now that you have a guy like Gio over there who can glove it, um, I think that there's more of a possibility that Glaber is potentially the long-term shortstop. They slide DJ back over to second base, have, having some flexibility and, you know, throughout the year and I, you know, either make a move, you know, make a trade or make a move for a-, a big first baseman because I feel like we're waiting for that because I-, I almost feel like you can't go into another season with just a giant question mark at first base because that's what right. it's been for since Tashera retired, really. and uh, we're Well, it's just been a revolving door of injured guys and underperforming guys. Yeah, it's a Vo- giant question mark. We're going to void. So... Just, what do you think Vo- There's just not Luke enough Voigt, opportunity. There. What do you think Luke Voigt is, though? Because before he got hurt, he had a 140 WRC plus this year. Yeah. And and you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Voigt's that guy. You know, maybe Voigt, Voigt could absolutely be that guy. Um, but I don't think they roll in with just Voigt, um, Bird and uh and <laughs> Princeton. <laughs> Bird. Who's you gotta be kidding who's me? Who's playing in the Dominican League right now? No Gre- Greg Bird, uh. Gip greg bird out of my face i'm done with him yeah you're just person you're just personally burnt by him but he uh he's gonna be there <laughs> don't uh get greg bird out of my face but do do not get indochino off my back you like that you like that little transition indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand they make suits shirts coats and more and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. And you know what? That may sound like a pretty penny, but when it fits you perfectly and it's a custom experience, $400 is a very good deal. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom as well if you're a little unsure about what your measurements are. Maybe you haven't bought a suit in a while. And uh, you don't know if you if you're if uh, if you've changed, go into a showroom. They'll measure you. Everything will fit great. And uh, tell people Scott how they can get a deal with Indochino. You got to start your style upgrade right now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of 399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of three ninety nine dollars or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Mr. DJ le LeMachine. 9 for 26, a three forty six batting average in the ALCS. Only guy that really hit consistently. One more year on his contract. We were talking about this at the game on Friday night. Do they try and lock him up to an extension? I think a lot of that depends. I think you're you're, you're praying, you're hoping, but I think a lot of that depends on what they do. Like there are other pressing matters before locking up Lemayhu when he doesn't need to be locked up. You agree with that? I don't want to. I don't want him. I don't want him to sniff free agency. <laughs> but what I'm saying is. So like, no, I don't agree with that. I want DJ needed... Lemayu to play forever. I'm not joking. I want him to play until he <laughs> decides because because you know what he's probably going to make a good decision on when to call it quits. Honestly, I be, I trust him enough <laughs> to give him a, when to give him a blank check, knowing that he will just put the bat down on a given day. and Be like, I can't do this at the at the level that I want to. I can't, and I'm going to stop, and then money will stop. All right. Well, he won't bleed you dry. You're, you're exaggerating. I love Lemayu. <laughs> as well, but you can't just give them a blank check. So they need to discuss with other guys. They need to have a, a like a heart to heart, a heart to heart thing. And they sports, need to look them funny. They need to have a, a sit down meeting, all the nerds, the front office, everyone, and say, what's our infield plan for the next five years before you talk about locking up DJ LeMahieu, Right? Because there's a lot of moving pieces. We just talked about it. Shortstop, third base, <clears throat> I don't think First they know space. yeah that's gonna be a, a so they need to formulate a plan for f- they need to, they need a five year plan right this is like I don't even think you go, go five a, years at this point you gotta go, go like for a job years. interview you go for a job interview out of college what's your five year plan where do you want to, where do you see yourself in five years yeah that's what they need to say where do we see our infield in five years yeah and labor Torres is the only guy who's definitely there in five years right no, absolutely, and I think that when you're looking around and you're seeing the the part, see the thing is, is right now with especially what happened this year, I mean the the plan could be to have guys that are flexible. It could be a part of the plan, and when you have a guy like DJ LeMahieu, sure. you don't necessarily need to know exactly where he's going to play. That's the beauty about him; he could play anywhere. He could be your primary DH guy. Hit 20, 26 home runs. Yeah, but no, he's but he's not a DH. But my point is, he's he's a phenomenal fielder. The point is, is that he's flexible to go to different positions. So you don't necessarily need to have a lock in play, uh, a lock in plan in place to get him on the books for longer. You just need to get him on the books and then figure it out with him. Plug him where you need to, and he'll play goal, glove level defense, unless he's in the playoffs and first base and there's some weird things that happen. But we all look past that because he hits three run home runs or big home runs when nobody expects it in the ninth inning to come back and tie a game, two run home runs. I'm so sad that that home run is not going to be mem- uh, remembered more. I will remember it for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but no, I, they, I think they do. They seriously need to look at, get, they 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 got a significant value with DJ LeMahieu and they need to understand that. Um, I know when we had this conversation at the game, we were talking about this. We were talking about the arbitration years and that's where the Yankees have, they, they used to not do that. And now they've, started to extend these arbitration years. Well, you That's know what? where they see the value in signing guys. Well, let me tell you what. The next progression is seeing the value in TJ Lemayhu and extending <laughs> him because there is significant value there. Essentially, yeah. you're walking into a last year of arbitration at this point. Yeah, he's making $12 million next year. Okay. That's a value. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could see them giving him an extra year so he's not going into a lame duck year essentially. But I don't see them lock. I don't see them giving him more than a, an additional year. I it's do. just not. I, it's just not Aaron, the way they operate. It, they, they've anymore. changed the ways they operate. Aaron Hicks just got a seven-year deal. I know they, they only bought b- out his arbitration one year. And he's younger. One year they bought out his arbitration for one year. And he, you keep saying he's younger, but he's also been on the shelf for like sixty yeah. percent of his career. He's also playing a position that they need more. DJ Lemay who plays every position. The point is, is they need to extend him. That's it. They need to look beyond whatever this arbitration deal is. You're you're walking into a guy on his last year of his contract. What's the difference? the end The end result is the same. After that year, he's gone. Extend him. He is because he'll probably accept it. <laughs> he is 31 years old. He was born oh less than a month after me, July 13th, 1988. So he will turn 32 years old next July. Halfway through the year. Okay. That's what I just said next July. Yeah. Um so how many extra years would you Don't just say blank check. Like I, give me Yeah. Give me give me something. I would give him 3 to 4 years. Would you give him 4 years? Yes. At 16 million per year. Absolutely. With a smile on my face. And so you, would I, would, I would feel dirty. Four years extra. I'm not saying four years including next year. I understand. So you'd have him for five more years starting next year, which means you have him until he's 36 years old. Yeah, unless he retires because of poor performance on his own part. But yes, because right. he could play first base if you needed to. Um, I think he Glaber, he plays for a lot longer. the way The way that he plays, I'm being dead serious with the, with this. The way that he plays, unless something, unless he were to get injured and break down, the way that he plays the game. Just it, to me, it seems like it. You that guy can play later in, in a career. He's just so fundamentally sound that I think that that type of guy, unless you break down based on injury and father time comes into play, um, that he could that that can play in in baseball longer. I feel like we're gonna find out at some like DJ LeMay. He's just gonna retire one day, and we're gonna find out he's just like oh, I always wanted to be an author, and I'm gonna start writing. books. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like the one day, that's exactly my point. We but could he'll retire him. at like 33 after winning a batting title. Right. So that's my thing. You could say sign him for five years, but he might retire after three if he's not up to his own par. That's my point. Like, I, like that guy's gonna walk away and go be an author or go live in a what kind of what kind of books do you think D.J. LeMahieu is is writing? I feel like he's writing like crime, like, I was, like murder, crime. I was gonna say mystery, like mystery. like sleuth, like a like a uh, like a like Sherlock Holmes. He's a mysterious. What if he's a, what if he's one of the best poets of our generation? and We just didn't know it. I mean, I believe it. I think he probably is. <laughs> we talked about Glaber. Uh, so Gio, that's another thing. How does Duhar fit in with Gio? What's the plan as far as third base for twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean, I think Gio is definitely the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, I think he's the third baseman. I, I think he's done absolutely everything. Even shows up in the in the. Um, you know, in the playoffs in the last game when everybody else is Gio shows up. Gio shows up and does everything he possibly can defensively, offensively. That man came to play. And um he's just been a, a such a breath of fresh air at third base defensively. And we really you can identify now how bad and was at when you see what geo has done. And I know there's been defensive metrics, you know, I, I'm given, I'm given the high sign on that one. The guy looks phenomenal. I, 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 he makes every great play to me. He makes the majority of the easy plays. I think there's some little blunders, some pop flies, some stupid little mindless things that he, that he makes mistakes on occasionally. And that lowers the, uh, the nerds view on him, but I think he's one of the, the better gloves at their base. So I think he's locked in there. And then, uh, Anduhar, I have no idea. No idea. Like they could get him. They could get him working first base. They could get that him could him be a thing. Field. Could he, they could. That could be. A, could, that could be a real thing. Like Duhar offensively could be a first baseman. Yeah, they could trade him. Like so many, so many things. He just has zero Andujar. value. I just don't think he's going to be a third baseman. I don't think so either. Especially, especially then, with Gio and having LeMayu on the team, there's no reason for him to be there. Right. You've got two better defensive third basemen ahead of them. Yeah. And then first base, Encarnacion. Do you see a scenario at all where they pick up that twenty million option? I I don't. I think it's too much uh, for a guy that, you know, broke down physically at the end of the uh, the end of a season. Basically, one of the injuries wasn't his fault. He got hit with a pitch. The oblique is is a is a is an injury that was not that was a breakdown. Like yeah, but he, a, he a fractured problem. the wrist. He got hit hit in the. I know, but I think the oblique is a bigger thing. Either way, he's an older guy. Um, you know, not a plus defender by any means. I don't think you're really solving a lot of things if you bring him back. I think Luke so Voigt could, could be your first a base... player over there that would be a that could give you a, a similar season. I have to, I have to say, that I, I'm going to assume Voigt's second half struggles were injury related. Yeah, because he had a 140 WRC plus through the month of June. This is a very good player, very good offensive player. I, I remember these no, these these numbers are are more based on longer longer periods of time as well. Like you, you don't you can't just say a guy in one month or two months and then go base off of that. The reason why the season is there and the reason that data is there is to give you a better culmination of what the player actually is. So I have a hard time looking at these numbers. Same thing with Talkman. Uh, on these short sample sizes. And I know he's been good when he's been healthy and he looked like he was injured. So I, I do think there's a lot of that in there. And I think that um, he had a frustrating year at the end. And I think he deserves the opportunity. There's no doubt. And that he can be that player because we've se- I think we've seen it over a little bit longer period of time. and, I, and I, We've seen it for five months or four months with Voigt. September of 2018 and uh, April, May, June of 2019. It's just, it's different when you string it all together at one time though. I mean, we need yeah. to see it together. I think it was injury related. I, Maybe he's not a 140 WRC plus, but he could be a 125 WRC plus, which means he's 25 percent better than the league average. Which means he's a very valuable offensive player. I agree, and I lean I lean more towards that as well that he was uh, that he was dealing with injury. I think that that hernia is a problem. It doesn't, you know, it can come out of nowhere, but if it's it, it could have been there for you know longer, and uh, and that's one of those. It's just a pain in the ass. Injury. It happened in London, probably because they took a six hour flight and he was cramped into a small seat. We joke about this, but I'm dead serious. That's a real thing. They need to get freaking yeah. pods. Stupid. There's no reason um, for them not to. Ford competing for first base in 2020. I don't want to hear Greg Bird's name. All right, let's move on to the pitching staff. Ford, so, Ford's an interesting guy, though, too, because because of the lefty bat as well. And the fact that, um, you know, maybe it's defensively him and Voight, uh, like they're probably about the same. But I think about the same below average, like. They're not average. They're below average. No, I, I'd say I actually give Ford probably a, a little bit of an, uh, a nudge. I don't think Voight's a very. I don't good know first if we base. saw enough of Ford at first base. Voight's not a good first base. Voight's footwork is terrible. He's a he's a big lug, <laughs> and he plays first base like a meathead. <laughs> yeah, because he is a cause he's a meathead. But no, uh, I I think that Ford is going to get a look though. I
0: yeah, unless they go
1: unless they make a move or unless Andujar can show that he can play first base, I think there's going to be. Uh, well, Ford will still get a look in spring training. Oh, no doubt. No, no. Ford should get more of a look in spring training than Greg Bird. Unless there is a trade. Because I didn't see anybody in the free agent market who... We just went through the the uh, list of 2020 guys, and there was just nobody massively appealing at first base that would make it much better. So we get to the rotation now, and it's kind of hard to talk about them all uh, separately. So Tanaka, Paxton, and Severino. You can kind of just give your thoughts on, on all of those guys. So if we're looking at the end of the year um severino is like an incomplete who knows you know i mean we've seen postseason struggles from this guy um in multiple occasions now and i think that's a concern but but he you know whether he was he wasn't all the way back uh wasn't fully stretched out was it into the season i think it's unfair to take away too much from 2019 from severino yeah uh, and unfortunately it's one of those injury things too where we're saying the same narrative, like gotta be on the hell gotta be on the field, gotta gotta see it, we need to see it. But if he's injured, like this is becoming way too common of a, a theme now with these players, unfortunately. They bought his arbitration out. Yeah. Again, like that was a new thing. There's always going to be a new thing, right? DJ LeMay he was a brand new thing. God damn, they need to sign him. Um James Paxton. Did you make a pitch? James Paxton, uh, I was I was impressed with. I think that James Paxton was probably the the brightest shining star of the pitching staff this year um, because one of the guys completely screwed it up at the end of the year. But the uh, Paxton was a guy that, you know, had big expectations coming in. Um, people are always giving Brian Cashman a lot of shit for not going out and getting that big guy. Well, he kind of did, kind of got a big guy, kind of got that big lefty who's supposed to get you deeper into games, even though the Yankees won't let him go deep into games. But, you know, that's not neither here nor there. The nerds won't let him go into a, deep into a game. But he's got the ability to do it. He also had injury it. problems this year. It's not like don't totally exonerate him. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, there were nothing. Knee, knee issue. It's almost like when a guy went down for a shorter amount of time, it's like he didn't go down from this year. <laughs> if you only spent three weeks. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, it didn't happen. And then Tanaka, another up-and-down regular season. Really good postseason in his first couple starts, and then got hit in Game Five. The one home run was in Game Four of the uh, of the ALCS. He gave up two home runs. Right, but the one was a the first one to me. It was the biggest home run. Did he give up two solo home runs? My point is, is that when you gave up that first one, I felt like there was things that went down from there. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was a must win game for for the Yankees and quote, playoff Tanaka didn't show up. And it's, I'm not even like saying that ironically or saying that to like be right or anything, because I don't think playoff Tanaka is a thing. I think Tanaka is what he is. He's a, he's a capable pitcher who can have really good outings and can not have good outings. And this was one of his not good outings. Like, this is what Tanaka is. I guess. uh, I mean, I I still believe that he pitched much better than, uh, than any, a lot of people were expecting. I think that he pitched, Really well on the road in Houston, and and then we get another uh, good start out of him. Um, four I, innings, five runs, five innings, four runs in in game four at home. But he pitched in the ALDS well too. So we saw we saw him pitch well in the postseason. I think overall made a couple Restarts. made a couple mistakes, um, but I think that you're talking about the the playoff Tanaka not being a thing. I mean, I still think he's a, a better pitcher in the playoffs, he, and I think he proved that. All right. I, I don't, I don't think there's enough evidence to, to say that it doesn't matter. Like the, he shouldn't be our number one. He shouldn't be the guy that we depend on, uh, on a game uh, that is a must win at this point. Like he's a, he's a nice number three and that's what he yeah. That's what he is now. Yeah. And I think that he's not a guy that I'm like, oh, you're going to send him on the mound for a playoff game and he's going to shit himself. Like he's not going to do that, but he's not going to, immediate- but Severino might, he might, which is a problem. Tanaka's not going to suddenly just shove bats down your throat, even though he did do that for a game against the Astros in game one it's like you can't expect that every time out that's unrealistic, but he's got that ability. The problem with the Yankees right now, I think a lot a lot to do with their philosophy It's not consistent too. well it's also it, their philosophy to not to do it It's tough to rely on you can't rely on it when your philosophy is to take you out of the game you can't even train to do that when you're getting. Taken out of games at different places. It's just—it's a flawed philosophy, in my opinion. So those three guys are obviously locked into the rotation next year. Sabathia is retiring, and they have Hat for seventeen million. Herman who I don't know if he's gonna be around again next year. I don't know how fans will react to that, to be honest. I don't can, know if the Yankees can we, wanted to. Can we talk about Domingo Herman please? Because I feel like Domingo Herman nobody wants to talk about because of the domestic uh violence, the allegations this and is all a, this stuff. This is a safe space, Scott. You can talk well, about it. Well, you know, it's 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 just one of those I feel like a lot of people just have kind of like glanced at like look let's look at the baseball for a minute. Just the baseball. Because when we're talking about this makeup, the makeup of this the the composition of this team, Domingo Herman in the beginning of the year was a big contributing factor. He was a huge part of the pitching staff. And when you're talking about going into the playoffs um, and uh, you know a week before the playoffs start, you're still expecting him to be in there and he's going to be a big part of this. And you know in game four or whenever you're you're, you're expecting a bullpen type game, Domingo Herman was the guy that was going to go in there and he was going to be a guy that you could probably depend on for multiple innings and be yeah. be a very important part of what they were going to do in this pitching staff. And then he went off the field, And did, did, you know, alleged something that was just, you know, unbelievable, something completely horrible that you you just don't ever in a million years do. Bad guy. He did something that was a bad guy thing. And that's uh, for the baseball team and just the baseball. They got put in a position um, by not having a player that they had depended on all year long and put in a position where they had to go and, and, you know, Jay Hap had to pitch. And, Um, you know, uh, Sessa had to pitch and freaking um, Johnny Lasagna had to pitch. And we had to see And Sabathia had to pitch and even be on the (laughs) roster. So, you know, his actions were were horrible. And also because this is a a baseball team and that's his profession. And that's why we all watch this in the first place. He screwed them on the field too Mm -hmm. because of his actions off the field. And um, I mean, I'm done with him personally but you are yeah i mean i, I think that there's just uh, yeah i mean things. i don't disagree with that if the yankees choose that they don't want that type of person to be around them it's hard to say that though when you have Araldis chapman on the team i agree and with I all agree. and with all the uh you know the things that are swirling around right now that doesn't mean though that doesn't mean though they have to continue that's right that way that's right there's like, to me there's that precedent should not be set you right. should be able to oh we have to keep... precedent We have to keep him around because we signed Chapman to a contract or we'd have to get rid of Chapman because we got rid of like you can treat him differently. I mean, it might be unfair to treat him differently. It might be hypocritical, but they could do it. And in the offseason, I'm sure we'll, you know, learn more about what happened and what went down. And, you know, that could sway things one way or another. But from all accounts, it just seems like it was uh, he's just a bad dude and, you know, from what we've heard, it was just a, a really bad thing, unfortunately. Yeah, and Montgomery is another wild card for the rotation. So you were saying, oh, the rotation's pretty much set. Yeah. I, I, I mean, think there's, Montgomery's there's, definitely there's, in there for the number five spot. I mean, you're looking at him as a, a leader in the clubhouse already. There's warm bodies. There's five warm bodies there between Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, Hap, and Montgomery. I wouldn't say that's set, though. Look what happened this year. I said it's, Severino it's, couldn't. It's so you going out and acquiring another starting pitcher, I think, is still a top priority. It's not set, but it's pretty. There's there's a lot of pieces that are already in there. Don't there's not let, much room. Don't let Montgomery or Hap prevent you from going to acquire a starting pitcher I agree. trade or free agency. I agree with that. The Yankees have proven multiple times now that they will eat contracts. So we don't. You want to talk about precedents that matter to me? Eat a contract that's bad for the team. Eat a contract. If Jay Happ comes out there and is stinking up the joint in spring training and not pitching well into the first month of the season, do what you got to do. But you should have a plan in place uh, and security there. And if you can acquire somebody, you should do. It. You should have as many good players on this team as possible. We Made this mistake two years ago by not going out and acquiring more arms. Uh, I, you know, I for one was looking at the the rotation and like set like where are you supposed to play a guy that is a real concern at some point if you have five guys that are major league talent level guys that are major league contracts (laughs) where are you going to pitch them it is a concern when you're talking about a starting rotation but you know what if they have an opportunity to slide in somewhere and take a guy and you know potentially Jordan Montgomery could be a, a, a trade piece you know he could absolutely be there he's a a guy coming back if he if he shows that he can come back from the surgery well you know there are that's not as much of a knock as it used to be anymore. He might be on an innings limit, though. I don't know. If he's going to be on too much of an innings limit going into next year. Chapman can opt out with two years remaining. If he opts out, would you re-sign him? No. <laughs> no, I would <laughs> okay. not re-sign him. Explain. Because I feel like we've seen we've seen the closer role get filled too many times with, with guys that are lesser than Chapman. I don't think you need that. And the guy that ever, he had a damn good year. There's no doubt about it. But he also did uh, serve up a game-winning home run to end the season to Jose Altuve on a pitch that should have never happened in the first place. And his reasoning, and when you when you watch the press conference afterwards, not the press conference, but the the locker room interviews. I don't know if you saw this, but basically he's like, I go out there. Nobody tells me to do anything. I compete. I attack the best players out there. That's what I do. That's my job. It's it's a it's a it's a it's an arrogant way to go about your job and not understand what's happening in that moment and seeing what the situation is it's arrogant first of all um and it's well that's also poor coaching well they yeah and they gave him too much leeway in that moment they should have absolutely yeah. stepped in absolutely but if you, but you're looking if your at closers that, out there just if Aaron Boone wanted to tell him to do something Chapman should listen to Aaron Boone and not just be like oh I'm going to attack because I'm I'm Ronalds Chapman Look, I've just seen too many guys float around the league and become good closers to to really overvalue that position, honestly. Well, they also have guys on the roster that could step in. Yeah, Britain could step in. I think that's why Absolutely. they gave him the contract they gave him. It was security. To secure if Chapman opts out. I could see Chapman opting out because he's got two years remaining, but I could see also the Yankees adding a third year on. So I don't see the Yankees giving him four years, but I could see them giving him... Uh, Three years, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think the concern still, uh, as he gets older, is that that fastball velocity um, really does take a huge dip. Slider has improved. The slider has improved, but it's not. <laughs> Despite the fact that it went out of the stadium by Jose Altuve, right? Because you could still sit on it. Because when you're only sitting on that slider and you can't locate a fastball, it's not as good as it looks. Uh, but um, I, I, I think it's a concern, though. I think for for of all the guys, when you get when you see a guy like Aroldis Chapman. Uh, age is definitely a concern for him because I have a feeling at one point it could absolutely fall off a cliff. He was smiling after the home run. Yeah. W- what do you make of that? It didn't bother me. He was stunned. Shocked. He was stunned. Just yeah. Sort of shocked. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like a, uh, you know, a little brat smirk like the other pitcher that we've seen smile in the last two years. Say his name. I'm not going to. Say his name. <laughs> I will not say his name. <laughs> I have no complaints uh, from Zach of Zach Britton. You can't. The guy was the probably the best pitcher on the team. I mean, he was really, really, really good. Uh, you know, is it all is it because he's that much further removed from the Achilles injury? Maybe, maybe he's able to get that ball down and um, uh, more effective. It's more of a heavy ball. He's, I think his stuff plays in the playoffs. He's a ground ball pitcher. You're damn right, especially this year. He's more valuable now than ever. Yeah, because. Home runs were the deciding factor. It home, You weren't going to get ready hits with runners in the scoring position, so home runs were the deciding factor in this series, and Britain's not going to give up a lot of home runs. In today's game, with this ball going out of the park the way it is, Britain is uh, is extremely valuable, and the Yankees should be thanking their lucky stars that they got him before the juice ball era, and people actually realize that. Right, he could get even a bigger contract yep. now. How does Adovino rebound from his miserable playoffs? I think he just does. You know, I think he just puts it behind him and and because we saw what he was all the year. Well, I mean that's it's sometimes I think it's that simple. I think you just got to get out of your own head and and execute your pitches. and I, I don't think he was executing pitches. He lost the strike zone. We saw this you know, I don't know if it was fatigue, you know, um, towards the end of the year, but he looked bad at the end of the year and and he wasn't and I think the the primary. Reason was he wasn't locating his pitches. He couldn't throw a strike. He couldn't work ahead on a consistent basis. And because of that, people were kind of sitting on certain things and, you know, expecting a ball to come and looking for only certain things over the plate. And they would, they would hit him. How far would Babe Ruth have hit the hanging slider that he threw to George Springer? 527 feet. Tommy Canely, I think, is the bullpen comeback player of the year. You agree? No. Who is the bullpen comeback player of the year? It's Louis Sessa. I mean, that's stupid. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's Tommy Canley. Tommy Canley was really good. Although Luis Sessa looked very good in the playoffs. He did look really Tommy good. In the Canley playoffs. couldn't get out of the minors. Last so let me year. ask you a question. Well, I mean, that was a weird thing. I mean, I think that there was just a lot of strange things happening there with him. I don't know what they were. Whatever it is. He had a good and valuable season. Yeah. He's, he's a, I, I love that player. I think he's a damn good player. And I, I like, I like his makeup too. Um, but I gotta tell you, man, Luis Cessa showed me some stuff this year. showed me showed me that he could be a lot more consistent. We've we've always talked about. I've always been one of the guys that's been like drilling over his his stuff because he's got, he's a toolsy guy. He's one of those guys. He's got a lot of pitches, got a complete arsenal. It's it's only a, a matter of if, if he can command it and put it all together. And I'm not saying he did that completely this year, because I don't think he did. But I think he was much improved, and I, I think we saw a much better, more confident Luis Sessa. And I this this is a here i'll I'll go with like a it's not even a ball i'll go with a bowl prediction why not let's just do it because i'm i'm good at these and they're fun and uh you know i think he could be a dark horse playing as a potential uh rotation guy or at least they could look at him because i think i think he's a guy with the amount of pitches that he has could play in the rotation but do you think he plays better in the bullpen I think I want to see what he looks like now. I think that we're dealing with a different type of confidence from this guy. I, I think he's got a different type. He's He went out there against the Houston Astros and pitched two goddamn good innings. And in my opinion, should have pitched a third inning. I think he was very good uh, and and really held those bats to bay and got out of some big situations. I think that can do a lot for a guy in his career, especially a guy who's got such good stuff because his stuff is really good. We've talk, we've heard Cohn gush about him and the the pitches that he has. It's just a matter of him being able to locate them at the right times and putting it all together. And I think he's got the physical abilities to do it. And I think this year was a big year uh, for his confidence. Because his, you know, Judge said back against the wall, back against the wall. Sess's back was against the wall the entire year. He had no more right, he options. He was going to get released. He had no more options. He had to put up If he sucked, he would have got released. Yeah, he was gone. So yeah, credit to him, right. man, for the whole year of sticking he through stuck it. He around, stuck around all year, was good enough to stick around all year, had his bad moments, had his good moments. Played pitch well in his couple opportunities in the playoffs. His partner in crime, the guy who came over in the same trade as him, Chad Green, after he got demoted, I think he was the most consistent Yankees bullpen arm. Yeah, especially at the end of the regular season, he was dominant. Um, and I think he, um, you know, it's hard. Again, we talked about this in the beginning of the show. It's really hard to put a lot of that, uh, that Gurriel home run on Chad Green because that that was a phenomenal piece of hitting um, for a guy that was looking on the inner side of the plate, obviously. uh um, still... There were still two runners on base. The result was horrible, (laughs) but the pitch wasn't bad. It's hard to fault that pitch. Yeah. Now, despite the fact that Chad Green gave up two three-run homers in that series, I still think he's a weapon. I still think he, when used... That's the thing. How are they going to use him? See, he's because a guy that was originally, and he was always taught he even there were people interviewing him, Buck and someone else was talking about it. I guess Smoltz had a conversation with him at one point, but talking about that Chad Green still wants to be a starting pitcher. And to me, that doesn't play. I think Chad Green has, has one and a half pitches. Yeah. He's a he's a one to two, two pitch guy and has found himself there. I think that now I hate this opener thing. I hope they he get rid of it started nine times this year. I I I, I want I hope <laughs> they get rid of it completely because I, I hate it. I think it's stupid. I think all the numbers that surround it are uh, circumstantial and really mean absolutely nothing. Uh, it drives me insane why it's better for a starting pitcher to face the same guys in the third inning as it would be the first inning. But, but you know what? No, it's, 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 the no, no the it's the same thing. The difference is not if you have a starting pitcher that's capable of going out there. But it's like, oh, we're going to so start. So let's enable. David let's Hale. enable. No, no, no. Listen to me. They had David Hale or what's his name, um, Cortez Junior. So that's why they did it. Look, the situation. I understand. We were in the, the decimated by injuries. There were reasons why they went if there. If they had a starting pitcher, they would have sent a starting pitcher to go pitch. Not so sure about that. But the fact is, that's true. Brian Cashman did say Marcus Stroman would have been in the bullpen in the playoffs. You're right. Which is a jackassery statement. I love it. Um, Chad Green plays at the end of the. Bullpen. Would you have rather had Chad Green opening game six or Marcus Stroman starting? Um, Marcus oh, Stroman. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, when you're there, and there goes back to the Deming Garman. They had him, and at that point, Brian right. Cashman had him and knew he had him. So, again, put themselves put put the team in a very bad position by being uh a, you know the worst guy off the field. The the um what was I gonna say? Oh. So if if all Chapman were to walk and you put Zach Britton in that nine spot, you have a very clear eight, eighth inning guy, and that's Chad Green. Green. Chad Green plays so much. You don't better think he's more valuable as a multi inning reliever? I mean, go seven eight then. You can't do that every day. You can't do that back to back days. You would have to look at him more the way Girardi used him in 2017, Fine. where he would go an inning plus and then a day off or two days off and then an inning plus, which. I don't know if that's better or worse than how they used, you know, I don't know, but he was pretty damn effective pitching two innings as an opener and then having a few days off. There's just, so maybe his best is two days off and then two innings. Yeah. I don't necessarily like that either. Cause that doesn't really play well for the playoffs either. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to win championships and that's not putting a guy in a position to do well in the playoffs. When you give him two days off after pitching two days, the thing is, I think he plays better in high leverage situations in, uh, I want him at the end of the game. I want my most trusted guys pitching at the end of the game. I'm not of this philosophy to burn a guy early in the game because while everybody might say, Oh, the highest leverage, the highest time is in the first inning when when you know Altuve and Springer and Bregman are all up. Yeah, horseshit. Things are different at the end of the game. I'm sorry, they are. They're just different. And there's too many things that can happen between now and then that that can change. And I want my best guys pitching at the end of the game. I trust my my team to keep us in the game. And I want my best guys at the end. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's unfortunate how the philosophy of baseball in some cases is going the other way, but that's just me. This brings us to Dylan Betances, And if we are going to ever see him pitch for the Yankees again. Yeah. What do you think? I think that, I think that he's going to be back. I would bring him back. And the only reason I think that he's going to be back is because they're going to be able to get him on the cheap. And I think if he had had just come back and pitched like a couple months, then he would have gone out and probably signed a bigger contract that they wouldn't have wanted to sign him to. But who's going to sign him now? He's coming off an Achilles. So he's not going to be fully healthy for even the start of the season. So you might be able to get him for a couple million bucks. Well, he's not having surgery, so he might. But you still might be able to get him for like $4 million. For a show me year? Yeah, um, that's really risky for Dylan Batantis right now, too, though, because if he does have... What else get, is he going to sign? I think someone will give him more time than that. Well, I then think so. if someone else gives him a multi-year contract, he's gone. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think the Yankees would go multi-year. Greg Kimbrell wouldn't get a multi-year deal in this offseason, and Dylan Batantis is going to. I mean, totally different. The, the amount of money that was involved in a Kimbrell... On an AAV level, would be it's very different than what Potanzis is going gonna, to gonna get. So yeah, I think they're very different situations. I think Potanzis is going to absolutely look for like a two to two year deal with a third year option type thing. Like I think that is kind of a nice window. Gives him an it ins- won't be back. Gives him an incentive. I think that's a good deal for the Yankees too, though, because it gives them incentives. Does it might depend on if Chapman opts out. If they if they if Chapman opts out, fifteen million a year for bullpen arm comes off the books, then they might feel more comfortable giving Dylan Potanzis a contract. Possibly, yeah. I think they should do it anyway, but because I don't think the uh, the the average annual value for Dylan Batanzas is going to be that high. Yeah, so, if they're talking about bullpenning, if they, if they want to build a super bullpen, Dylan Batanzas would have really come in handy. Yep. And if you're talking about a second year with a third year option, well, then again, similar to the way J Hap, the way I look at Jay Hap's um, contract, is if that third year actually does vest, well, then the second year was probably not that bad, and you probably want it to vest. So right, uh, that's why that third year to me doesn't matter if it's an option. I just hate that that might be how it ends for Dylan Betances with the Yankees. You mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's unfortunate. He's just had really bad timing with a lot of situations. It's been yeah. really unfortunate for him because um, he's a good pitcher and he's a, one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball when he's out there. And uh, yeah, to hop off the mound like that and then find out you have a uh, you know partially torn or whatever it is stretched out, whatever the hell it actually. I don't even know what the actual diagnosis was stretched out Achilles stretched out <laughs> strained Achilles it's strained I sprained it but he's um you know I, I think that they should definitely look to bring him back so last couple they, things I want uh, to talk uh, real about. quick real quick they may be consulting Zach Britton and his doctors though too about what that recovery time is like well Britton did have surgery he did have surgery but it's still if I, I don't know the Achilles is very sketchy to me it's a scary place to have an injury so if you're gonna have a tear, you can repair that. But if you don't have a tear in the Achilles, like to me that's just one of those like very scary and maybe it could just completely heal uh because it is a tendon and it completely heal and be fine. Um but it's worrisome. He's a big dude. All right, let's talk about Boone and the coaches, if you wanna mention any other coaches. So he followed up his 2018 season with another 100-win team. I think he did a much better job this year than he did last year overall, getting this team to 103 wins with all of the injuries. I think a credit does go to Boone. He did not lose them, the ALCS, like he lost them, in my opinion, the ALDS last year. You agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I want to ask you a question. Do you, okay. come, back, do you come back off of your comments a little bit that you made at the old Yankee Stadium about Aaron Boone coming out there? What what did I say? You didn't like it, you did that, that he was going out there. To, no, to, not to that ravel, I didn't like it. I said it if if. No, I don't think that was the re- If that's the only reason he went out there, that's that in my opinion is stupid. I think it's one of the one of the reasons. I think it's a confidence boost. Okay, well he Just, didn't need a confidence boost. Oh yeah, he did. Maybe without Why? maybe without that confidence boost, that ball goes out the yard. Maybe no, it goes I think five th- feet. I think with the fact that he Boone went out there, broke up his rhythm. He hung a pitch in the middle of the plate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Boone did a really good job this year. I think he was dealt a freaking crazy hand, and I think he did a good what job. What is Boone's primary job as Yankees manager? Manage, it's to manage, manage the make players, sure, manage the personalities, right? Be relatable. No, it's not I just be relatable. A, I just said manage the personalities and be relatable. It's not. I don't think that is the that is literally the biggest reason they said Joe Girardi's gone. Yeah, that, no, that's that's one of the distinguishing factors. There's a hell of a lot more to what he's. What they need him to do. I said one of the biggest reasons. Fine. I mean, yeah, that's that's obvious one because it's the biggest distinguishing difference between the two of them. But I think what we saw this year as well is Aaron Judge had a lot better handle on each individual player as well. And I think Aaron Boone. What did I say? Aaron Judge. Aaron Boone had a much better um, feeling and and just just overall uh, concept of who each guy was. And I think he had to do that on the fly with a lot of guys, obviously, because there were so many injuries. So I think that he put guys in good positions to succeed. And I think that says a lot. I don't, that's not just personality. That's not relatability. That's knowing where a guy can be strong or strongest or put his best foot forward and then having him in that situation in in, in the, in that time. And I think he did a really good job with that, with multiple people that probably wouldn't be on the major league level in, you know, if, if it didn't go down this way. He's a good collaborator. I really do think he's a good collaborator. In what way? With the other coaches? Coaches and front office. I think that is how the Yankees are running their team now, is that it's a collaboration is running the team. Brian Cashman in the front office and the analytics people with Aaron Boone and the coaches. It is a collaborative effort. I think that he gets a lot of information. I I, I do think it's more than than you think. I mean, I know how you feel. You and Neil Keefe have the same exact feeling on this, and that he's just really a drone um, I think there's more to it. I think that they do give him more of a leash in certain situations. And I think that they give him a ton of information to di- to digest together, like you said in a collaborative effort, but then at the end of the day, he's making his, his, his you know decisions. I think some decisions are made for him based on what the numbers say. and I think right. that's unfortunate. I think that's unfortunate because I think you should let baseball guys make decisions. Um, with the supportive information, because I think it's great information. It support. That's not what Brian Cashman wants as a manager. Well, you know what? It's not. It's not working. And I think that Aaron Boone absolutely has the ability to do that. And when he came out there and kept Paxton in the game, showed me that he can do it and will do it. Well, we we you said this the night that we recorded. If the if that's the tying run, he's out of there. It's a Different scenario though. So, Boone's in. That's going a baseball into his scenario last- too. Boone's going into the last year of his contract. Damn. Do you think they? I know that went fast. Do you think they let him finish out his contract, or do we? Do you think we get an announcement that there's an extension sometime in Feb? I think it comes sometime in late January or February. Maybe even like when pitchers and catchers report. Oh, by the way, we extended Aaron Boone. Well, I would. I would. I would even expect it earlier than that, honestly, because I think they're really happy with him, and I, I don't think they want to. You know, let the media. A lame duck. I don't think they want the media to get a hold to get their teeth into that one yet. Um, right, because if there's like one slump in the middle of the season or one bad pitching change in July, it's oh, is Aaron Boone's job in general? No, I mean even in, into the off season. Like I think they're going to probably take care of that uh, around winter meetings. Like I, I could see that happening around that time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I certainly don't think he's going to go into a lame duck here. The Yankees don't do that. They they really haven't done that as much. The only time they've done it. The guys have been let go. Yeah. Joe Torre and Joe Girardi went into lame duck years and then were let go. Right. So pretty much if they let you go into your last year of your contract, you're not gonna be back. Yeah. And those were the tenth year of their deals. So Cashman, how would you grade Brian Cashman's job this year? I think Brian Cashman did a phenomenal job. I think um No failures. It's hard to say failures. I could be, again, I, you know, I don't want to go all the way through this on, on, on how things went down because nobody knows. That's the problem. Everybody can speculate how things went down, but nobody knows. So yes, if Dallas Keuchel came up and said, I want to sign here for $1 under what the Braves are giving me. He's like, no, and I'm not going to meet with you again. Then yeah, Brian Cashman's at fault there. But if there was no time to, uh, to come back and try to get a contract, I think I look at that one still. Even though Keichel didn't pitch great down the stretch, I think he still would have been an improvement and still could have been a potential guy that would run this team and probably leaned upon. You know, in that game four, even like you would have maybe even been before that. Who knows? But I think that's a that's a playoff experienced arm that you want to have on that team. That would be the guy that I look at and say possible missed scenario, missed opportunity. But I don't think it played out that way. Again, speculative, my opinion. I think that. They didn't really have much of a shot at him at the end of the day. What about Patrick Corbin? What about the fact that they didn't address the starting pitching at the trade deadline? Um, I was fine with it at the end. I was disappointed that they didn't go get somebody, but the, the I mean, in hindsight, the options weren't with, there. In hindsight, they should have given Patrick Corbin that contract. No. In hindsight, Patrick Corbin's first year looks like it could have been valuable maybe, but we'll see how the rest of it plays out. I mean, in hindsight right now. In hindsight right now, the first year of the contract looked good. So this is when I get a little worried for people saying, oh, the Yankees are going to sign Garrett Cole. What makes you think that? What's the last pitcher the Yankees signed to a massive contract? Those CC Sabathia 10 a. years a. ago, 11 years ago now. So yeah, it you know, is. that was the same year. I know. A.J. Burnett. And, and I know. So That's the, what I'm saying. That year, they signed him. 2009 is the last time. If you want to call Tanaka a massive contract – I'll give it to you because he was. It was a but, lot of money, but that was an international signing. That's different. American free ag- American baseball, Major League <laughs> Baseball free agent, not American pitcher. <laughs> you know what I mean. But the thing is, is it's a different game now too because of the tax threshold as well. It's a different play than it was in 2009. There's. It's just different. Well, sc- they were way over it in 2009. They didn't give a crap. Right. They didn't care. But it's a different scenario. And what happened in 2009? Uh, they won something. Yeah. I can't remember. It's a trophy what it was. with some flags on it. So, yes, people are going to look back at that and they will always look back and then say, the last time you spent money on big name pitchers, you won a World Series. Well, I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Even to though see one what... of them was AJ Burnett. And yes, he pitched well in one game, but he was bad. No, CeCe Sabathia was a success. CeCe Sabathia. Sabathia was absolutely a success. I'm not saying that he wasn't. He was phenomenal. So, could Garrett Cole be that type of successful signing? Where yeah. he's on the Yankees through the next eight seasons. Yeah. And in 2026, we're like, or 2027, we're like, damn, so glad that Garrett Cole's been here for the last six years. They won a championship. We're sending him off into the sunset. Oh, man, he's crying walking off the mound. But you know what? It's okay. Yeah, I think. Th- Look, do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I think it, it um, could happen? Sure. <laughs> do I think it's going to happen? No. So, okay. I, because the I think... On the and Matt I'll tell you know. why. I'll tell you why. And I think someone's going to do the same thing that happened to Patrick Corbin. I think someone's going to massively overpay. And I don't think... And I know Cashman doesn't do And that. it's going to be a lot more than Patrick Corbin got. Yeah. And you look at the Angels and what they're doing over yeah, there. Yeah, they're the leader for him, right? They just got Madden. That's a win now situation. They just signed Mike Trout. They're in a win-now mode right now. To a thousand years. They have, yeah, they have, you know, the well. I think it's the asterisk as good as a, rookie of the year. It's good of a job that Brian Cashman did with all of the rops, roster depth and position players and making sure that injury after injury did not sink this team. I think he deserves equal criticism for not building a starting rotation that can win a World Series. He hasn't done that yet. Why is that not a fair criticism? Because the pitching staff was not the problem. That's why. I just said that he did not build a starting rotation to win a World Series. And that is fact. That is a fact. It's not an opinion. You're right. That's a fact. You're right. (laughs) But the reason they lost was not because of the pitching staff. It was because of the offense that we all love. Didn't do what they did all year long. And them's the facts. The pitching staff that he has built for the last three years... Has not been able to get to a World Series this year. Also, you throw in Domingo Herman into the mix of this pitching staff; they're not getting past Houston with Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman stunk in September. It, uh, stunk. It, it, it's, it's a it's a different situation, though. A different situation. I'm just saying, the guys were there. Paxton was there. Severino came back. Unfortunate, the injury happened. Because what if Severino doesn't get hurt and he's a 20 game yeah, winner this year? You're right. You're right. A full season of Severino could have been the difference between number one seed, number two seed. I don't know if that makes sense. We difference saw that it overall. didn't matter. So, yeah, we right. put that one to I bed, right? We put that one to bed forever, right? The home field thing. That one's done. I still rather have the <laughs> I know, field but advantage. it's done. <laughs> no one's playing for that shit anymore. The thing is oh, and All by right. the way, it's something we didn't mention, which we absolutely should have mentioned when we're talking about pitchers, even though we're just kind of auditing these guys. Into and this is like a two-hour episode. But the um the other guy that's gonna be around is Davey Garcia. Yeah. I mean that's that's a that's, he's a, that's such a big that's such a big wild card though. He he struggled in his time in triple A this year. So but he got better in triple A. We're seeing him, improvements. I think a realistic expectation for him is is starting in AAA and he can work his way. I mean, there's other guys too, other than David Garcia. No, I understand, that, make I understand that. But when you see when you but. see a guy that, that flew through the um, through the minor leagues like that was, you know, is it has been gl- every every scout everybody talks about him as glowing even in AAA. Yeah. Even there, don't look at the numbers. Look at what he's done and the makeup and the things that he's improved upon. Um, that's a real guy. And you, yeah, if if you're rolling in with a, you know, a Jordan Montgomery type or somebody else going in the fifth position, and Davey Garcia is right there too, wouldn't be surprised if he came out. Could, you know, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bank on question marks anymore. I think there needs to be, you can have question marks, but you can't have four question marks. There is we're going to nothing given anymore unless you so sign Derek Cole. <laughs> we went through all the major players in the 2019 season. This is sort of a look back episode with a little bit of a look forward to what these guys will will be doing in 2020. We are going to do that episode we did last off season where we each play general manager. Um, I think that was a fun episode. I think there's, I think it was sort of limited to what we what the creativity we could do last year because I think the team was. Had fewer options. Like I feel like there's more options now with this team. I don't as know I think it's, who's a free agent uh, on the team, who's a free agent out there. Things like all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty close though to the same, honestly, because Gardner was the same. Um, Hap was an option last year. Uh, I feel like a lot of the CC was an option. So that's the another guy. Is a much more fluid thing now. The infield, Didi's a big, a big cog in this. Uh, you know, signing base. him or, or not resigning him. First base just is a freaking cluster, man. I don't know what the hell. I, I, I That's why I, I wouldn't put it past them and it wouldn't surprise me if there was a, a big trade for a big bat at first base and just like a guy that was, you know, like a like a, a Mark Deschera type trade where they just secured a guy. Wouldn't surprise so, me with the amount of flux that's happened over there. What's your overall feeling looking back on the 2019 season? Um disappointment obviously the way it ended because i think there were opportunities and they could have they could have won that series um i don't know how long it would have gotten because you know the game's been on for two hours now i have no idea what's going on in the in the in the world series game tonight it's tied um but it, it it seems like the pitching it would have been a, a tall task i think to overcome washington's pitching even honestly the way that the way that they were um they don't have a bullpen though their bullpen stuff. Up and they've done what Boston did last year, and they put some of their starters in the bullpen. So, and sure. and Doolittle Doolittle is healthy. So yeah, I think their bullpen's better than it was in the regular season. But um, they're I think they're going to be a tough team. I think Houston matches up with them well. But um, so overall disappointment, disappointment. But when I look back and to see what this team went through as far as the adversity and the injuries and things like that, it's really hard for me to, to, you know, be completely devastated and disappointed with the season. Because honestly, like the fact that they got to this point, and you pieced it all together and kept it together for as long as they did is impressive. A lot of teams would have folded like a lawn chair on a season like this and they didn't. So that, that is true that when you think back at all the injuries to what they did in the regular season, I think is a great accomplishment Sure, and something you can never take away from these players, right. but it's a disappointment how they ended the season it is. In, the, in the playoffs. We're New York Yankees and fans. It's going to be anytime a disappointment. you don't yeah. hold up the world series trophy. It's a disappointment. Right. So that's just the bottom line. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll get to some of your guys' mailbags. There were a few, but this episode was just going on a long time. So uh, I'll, I'll hold them for the next. I'm not going to be on next episode. Just a heads up, Oh, yeah. Up, you're guys. getting married. so We're I'm getting married. Yeah. There'll be a mystery. There's a mystery guest coming on. We don't know. You don't know who it is yet. Yeah, mystery guest. It's a mystery to all of us. The, um, <laughs> you have the mics charged up so that I can use them at the wedding? I wasn't going to bring them. You want me to bring them? I feel like you should bring them. I think Leanne will kill me. I think Leanne would kill you. So don't tell her you're bringing them, but bring them. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to record? You're going to try and get my dad. You know, if he exists, if if I actually see him there, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's to be determined. We'll see. I will get I will get visual. Maybe I'll put these microphones in my in my suitcase. I think, I'm leaving in the morning. I think you should just have them there. You know, um, you know where I'm sitting. <laughs> you're you're the only one that knows where I'm sitting. Oh, I got a little surprise. I got a little surprise. Uh, the table arrangements. Um, maybe you can mention it on the next episode. Okay cool yeah so um um that's that's a big deal you have a big week coming up so um i, I will have somebody else on uh this coming week and i uh, got some uh got some people in the pocket we'll see who comes out and uh we'll have a good episode but yeah i'll i'll, I'll do some reporting on, on twitter and uh and other places about from the wedding you know <laughs> jj's gonna be hitting me on for for the food the entire time yeah and i think he's a little sad that he's not invited well you know sometimes right. sometimes you're not invited that is it for this episode. Scott will be back next week. I will be back in two weeks. Talk to you guys then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.